we knew none of this in 2003. Like when right. Kyle and I opened our copies of Fire Emblem for yeah. the GBA, we're like, yeah, Yay, I get to finally play as my favorite character, Roy. Who's Elliewood? Well, I'm going to talk about eco-terrorism. Got too excited about jorts. I'm leaving now with my Roomba or your blood on my hands. I'm back. Back on my bullshit. What is meme if not airhorn persevering? No, this is this is not a family show. And I quote, many American titties. Why'd you have to bring Dane Cook to this, Andrew? No one wanted that. Oh, you guys are not ready for what I've got today. And I've apparently hit the very end of my attention span. Give me like 30 seconds. I'm looking for rhymes. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how the only two video games Norman Reedus knows are Death Stranding and Miss Pac-Man. Uh, I mean, really amazing. Mm-hmm. Every game can be put on a scale between Miss yeah. Pac-Man and Death Stranding. Where did, yeah, where I think did that's this fair. come from? So this, is, this was pulled from a recent interview where Norman Reedus just kind of like accidentally revealed that they're making a death stranding too and uh the really the fun quote was like norm rita said something along the lines is like it's just amazing how video games like since miss pac-man and it just the implication (laughs) was like man you haven't played a video game since miss pac-man i can't imagine what looking at death stranding is gonna do (laughs) like norm norman rita's playing death stranding Hmm, getting a lot of miss pac-man vibes from this Yeah. (laughs) yeah um also it's just wild to think that there's going to be a death stranding too so wasn't that just like walking the game it was walking the, it was deliveries <laughs> of the game balancing packages the, the game the, the thing that i think all of us have done as to make money in, yeah. at one point in our lives but, right but the game but the i've game. actually never delivered mm. that's the one the one okay. Well, um, kyle do i have great norman Reedus yeah. related news for you <laughs> yeah um all right well Let's. I wanted to just set this up really quick. So, so guys, nearly five years ago, Kyle Harper here heroically asked us all the question: <laughs> If I summon a bunch of dragons to end all life everywhere, what have I lost? <laughs> and <Look>. guys, that <laughs> that question really does sum up the over thirty year history of Nintendo's most iconic tactical RPG series, Fire Emblem. Name two others: <laughs> uh, Famicom Wars. Advance Wars. Slash Advance Wars. Okay, that's the one. Uh-huh. And uh, um, that's um, why I said two. Um, um, Mario, Mario versus the Rabbids. Yeah, I mean, technically Mario and Rabbids <laughs> is, right. is a tactical not, RPG. I you made it, barely, but you made it. I mean, it. I was going to say F- Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, technically. Technically. Anyway, oh, gross. Um, Anyway, Sorry, Fire Emblem. We're talking about Fire Emblem, a a a series that popular streamer and gaming personality Brian David Gilbert once described as chess but horny. <laughs> mm. Okay, <laughs> if if you would only look at a sampling from Super Smash Bros, you would believe it is Nintendo's single most popular franchise. Yes, oh yeah, yeah. Matt's Matt's favorite series that he's never played. <laughs> yeah so before we jump in i'd like to give a special thank you and shout out to our king of the chunky fts uh (laughs) dr dr garlic butter in the discord who commissioned today's episode longtime listeners may remember that uh dr garlic brother also commissioned my voyage into the eldritch eldritch truth that is one piece so you know specifically uh matt you can you have dr garlic butter to think for today 
Um, just a quick pitch for listeners. You yourself out there, yes, that's right, you, can commission your very own flavor text by listing in hashtag Nation for three months at the $25 level. In addition to commissions, you'll gain immediate access to our post-show for all debate this traditional debate this episodes, our Google Doc show notes complete with Lieutenant Surge's tidy whities <laughs> They're there. That was one time. I've seen them. It, it happens. It's enough. And exclusive access to our monthly movie nights, which most recently was the universally panned New Mutants, which at the time of the recording, we have not watched yet. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Uh, so to start this campaign off, I've called together all three of my chief strategists to this off-screen war council. <laughs> Allow me to present Matt, smarmy fuckboy on a horse, Cole. <laughs> Is that uh, one, Marth? Todd. Nope. Edgelordy sellsword who secretly loves art and flowers, Thomas. Is th- is that one, Marth? <laughs> and Kyle, one thousand year old dragon god appearing as a ten year old girl, Harper. Okay, that one's not Marth. <laughs> that one's not well, Marth. I don't that know. One's not Marth. It could <laughs> it still might, be might Marth. Be. Might. The answer may surprise you. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about Fire Emblem today. I am very excited. Uh, we've got. A few games to cover here. Uh, before we jump in, I know we've all played Super Smash Bros. <laughs> Let's go around like we always do with these flavor texts. What do you know about Fire Emblem? Let's start with Matt, because I think I know the answer, which is <laughs> null. My answer is that I have played every Super Smash Brothers game. That's and correct. that's it. I mean, like, I collected a lot. Okay, so I guess to answer this question legitimately, I played a lot of Smash Brothers Brawl which had yep. Marth and not Roy. Ike. Well, Roy, uh, Roy wasn't in Ike. It did it, have Ike. Roy. Yeah, it was... Roy it was in... No, Roy, oh, Roy, Roy was, was in Melee. Melee. Yeah. And then he came so back was, for four. Right, yeah. So Brawl was Marth and Ike. And there were a lot of collectibles in Brawl because it had a story mode. And as a general yep. fan of Nintendo things, I knew that Fire Emblem was like this game series that was massive in Japan that was not really in America and also super not for me, but I did collect all of the things in Brawl. So I guess I I know <laughs> as much about Fire Emblem as the trophies in Smash yeah. Brothers Brawl has taught me. I think that's totally fair. You know as much about as most people that like Nintendo that have never played Fire mm-hmm. Emblem. Yeah, and yeah. I guess, you know, I remember like, Three Houses came out, what, just a couple mm-hmm. of years ago? And uh, 2019, yeah. 2019. And I know, what, Andrew, did you and Kyle, excuse me, you and Kyle both play Three Houses? Uh, I yeah. believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember you guys talking about it a decent amount in Discord, but also it just mm-hmm. not really being for me. So, Yeah. yeah. Todd? Yeah, I'm going to say a lot of the same things that Matt said, <laughs> so I'm not going to say them again. Yeah. Um, the only thing I think I have up over Matt is that I played a lot more Ike than he did. Um, I, That's true. I, I thoroughly enjoyed ruining people's days with Ike. And speaking about, I think Brawl um, was the one. Was that the one where you could like mess with their stats? Um, uh, that was the first sticker. That was Wii was U. The stickers one. Brawl yeah, was Brawl yeah. feels right. Wii U was four. Yeah. yeah Wii U so was... that one. Um because I dropped his defense to zero and buffed his strength and speed and made him an eldritch terror. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen a bit of gameplay. Um, I'm, mm. I'm familiar with what Fire Emblem has been, and I know that it is a probably much older series than some mainline fans may believe. Yep. Yep. 
and I'll well end with Kyle because I know Kyle, your experience is very similar to mine. Yeah. Um. So I have played every American release of Fire Emblem. And you call give, yourself a fan, give or take, <laughs> give or take one or two, maybe. Um. I have not finished any of them. I've played about to where like the actual story kind of starts, and then it get the games got hard, and I was like. I'll come back to that later and never yep. did. Um, but we no, we got the GBA one hot off the tails of uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee. So like when it finally was released on GBA, we're like, we have to play this and um, play it. We did. That's mm-hmm. the one I probably played the most. And then Awakening and then Three Houses. And yeah, um, I'm going to know. I'm going to know some of these things. Yeah, I'm gonna you're going to know, gonna know characters. a lot. Yeah. You're going to know a lot. Um, yeah, absolutely the same. I think almost my experience is identical. I played, loved loved Roy and Marth in, in Smash Melee. We're going to talk a lot about Smash, actually. I mean, that's when you talk about Fire Emblem games, Smash might be the most influential Fire Emblem game. <laughs> uh, for real, though. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I uh, played the Game Boy Advance one. Um, I played a few on ROMs over the years. Mm. And uh, until I played in, until I completed Awakening three years ago, I had never, I had played every American Fire Emblem game and had never beaten a single one, just like Kyle. Okay, okay. Because so I gotta, these games I gotta are finish. hard as shit. They're so hard, especially because <laughs> really you're, hard. like, you really want to do the no deaths run. Yep. And yep. God, that's impossible. It, I mean, it's, it's basically doing a, a Nuzlocke run. Yeah. Like a, po- like a Pokemon Nuzlocke run. Mm-hmm. And it, what that is, and for those of you that don't know what that, it's basically like a variation of playing Pokemon where as soon as a Pokemon faints, instead of like healing it, you throw it away. Yeah, so it it's dies. Pokemon with permadeath. That's basically what Fire Emblem is. But let's let's get into it. So like I said, there are 17 mainline <laughs> oh games. Now, some of those are remakes. Some of those are remasters. Some of those like are a quarter of spin-offs. a Bomberman. <laughs> it's we're doing a quarter of Bomberman. We're do, this is this is two hundred percent of East, and this is about twenty five percent of Bomberman. So, hey, kids, so remember, find ourselves check, somewhere in the middle. Check your quarters of Bomberman for fentanyl. They're putting that in everything <laughs> these days. Uh. Uh, all right. So the first game is the original game uh, called Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, and it originally came out for Famicom in the ni- in nineteen ninety. That's the Japan <laughs> oh, version of boy. the the, the NES. They um, like didn't mess around with this first title. Like no, they didn't. You would have thought it would have been the Fire Emblem, and yeah, right? a simple name. But they're like, hell yeah, oh, no. we're in. So oh, no. in in the like Nintendo pantheon, it's like Donkey Kong, Mario, yep. um, um, Link, and and Fire Emblem, like Legend Fire, of Zelda and Fire yep. Emblem. Fire Emblem. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of Fire Emblem. If you're looking, thinking about your timeline, when did uh, the original Legend of Zelda came out? And was that 89 or 87? 87, uh, I believe. 87, okay. I believe. So this would have been a year after Zelda 2. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, pr- you know, fairly early in the... I'm sorry, Zelda 2 came out in 87. Okay, so this is this is late. I guess, yeah, 1990 was... N- Super NES came out in 91, 92. So this is about... It's, this is late in the NES Famicom's lifespan. Um, Mega it's right Man... Before, it's right before Pokemon really kicked things off, like, in that er- that era of Nintendo. It's like the tail mm-hmm. end of the starting era. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're kind of in between, like, Mega Man, Donkey Kong, Mario, kind of getting a surge... Um, Mario 3. I think, actually, Mario 3 is Mario- probably... Yeah, so I'm Around looking at time. a timeline right now. Uh, Mario 3 was 1990. Okay. Dr. Okay. Mario in Japan. Um, okay. Uh, and then Dr. Mario 
in America. Okay, so this is this is this is that this is the last couple years of the NES and Famicom. Also, the same year of the Nintendo World Championship. Yes, yes, because that was introduced SM, SMB three. So the let's talk a little bit about uh, the developer behind Fire Emblems and a company called Intelligent Systems. Um, Intelligent Systems, you have heard of them before, I guarantee it. Um, they are they were one of the several of the Nintendo exclusive developers to come out of. Nintendo Prime, uh, Nintendo R&D 1, there's and Nintendo R&D 1, R&D 2, and R&D 4. R&D 1 is like Nintendo Prime, so that's like Miyamoto, like Mario, Donkey Kong, mm. Zelda. So a few developers, um, including a, a man by the name of Toru Nar, uh, um div- kind of made their side thing and developed intelligence systems. Kind of like, and similar to like Retro Studios, similar to um, some of the other, like Howl, like who made Kirby. These are Nintendo exclusive developers that only do Nintendo products. Right. Um, so Intelligence Systems is the home to Fire Emblems, probably their most famous one, but they've also been behind Advance Wars or what was originally called Famicom Wars and uh, the Paper Mario series, as well as WarioWare and Pushmo, which is a newer one. Hmm. So anything that... an Intelligence Systems is the weirdos. They do the weirdo games, right? The the ones that have gimmicks and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Famicom Wars actually came first. And for those of you that don't know about Famicom Wars, again, that was later localized to Advance Wars. Famicom Wars is a more traditional, um, tactical, like, uh, where you get, like, you build up units and you capture fortresses and you build and you pay for things. More like a Warcraft kind of tactical RPG. Um, following this, and, and Famicom Wars was huge. And much like Fire Emblem, that series wasn't localized for many years later. Um, so Famicom Wars came out in, I think, 89, something like that. Um, one of the developers at Intelligence Systems, his name was Shozo Kaga. He wanted to create a franchise that combined the tactical combat of Famicom Wars with more traditional fantasy RPG elements. Thus, Fire Emblem was born. Um, now, in, actually, until uh, late 2020, this original NES version was never released outside of Japan. So yeah. Fire Emblem began as a Japan exclusive series and would remain Japan exclusive for six titles. Um, <clears throat> this original game, pretty bare bones compared to today's standards of the series, but the series also hasn't changed that much since its initial. I mean, this original concept is pretty much the way that the game plays today. It's chess with anime characters, with RPG yeah. characters. Yeah. I mean, that's really as you've got your axe fighters, your sword fighters, your archers, your mages, flyers tanks right like or literally like knights Knights, Um, yeah all of those archetypes are here and that formula really hasn't changed they've just added to it over the years um the big thing that everybody knows about fire emblem is you know again it's chess but you have individual units they all have names they all have personalities they all have backstories and stats and yada 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 but when one of your units dies they are permanently dead they do not come back for later in the mission. They do not come back later in the battle. Mm-mm. And permadeath would is was the mainstay for Fire Emblem for twenty five years uh, until, much, until oh, the modern age, right? Until until Awakening, yep. yeah. So a very long time. So that became kind of synonymous with Fire Emblem, and and along because of that permadeath, and along with other things of of this era, Fire Emblem also became notorious for its difficulty. This game was fucking hard. Oh, I bet. Um, the original Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, it basically took place on a series of kind of samey looking maps. And uh, these were these massive sweeping battles where one, you couldn't, 
you were you were constantly risking losing any one of your units to if your hero unit dies if your protagonist died you would lose and then three you couldn't save in between battles so oh. it was just like oh. fucking just a just a God. yeah just tough as nails so you had to beat it in one go uh, I mean, they, you could save, it was like, but you, oh. could, like, you couldn't save like during a battle. Like, you oh, had to be, I gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like right now, you can check, you can bookmark battles and things like that. So you, you, this has now been released outside of Japan? Yes. So Where actually this, it? well, in, in, unfortunately, Kyle, uh, it was released on the Switch Virtual Console back in December of 2020. To for a limited time. Oh, okay. And it was only available for four months, much okay. like Mario Super Mario Thirty Five. Gotcha. Um, but it included so. But again, like so, this actually and and this game we'll talk about it a bit. This game was later remade for the DS as well. So you oh, okay. can play this game in its DS version, or if you have a friend who happened to get the Virtual Console version. I did not get it. I have no interest in playing this original. <laughs> it's um, gonna. It would have to be a grind. I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Real quick, before you move mm-hmm. on to story and stuff, so you keep saying this game is like chess, but with anime characters. Mm-hmm. Can you describe the gameplay a little yeah, bit? Yeah, sure. So you are looking overhead um, on a, like a battlefield, basically, and it's a gridded battlefield. So I, I probably a better um, better comparison would be like old traditional D&D, where you're mm-hmm. looking at a combat grid, and you have X number of spaces to move, and all of your units have different abilities, ways they attack. Some are melee units, some are ranged, some are magic, some are tanks, some are healers, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so D&D gridded combat is probably a better comparison. Um, and basically that's it. So you you command these these individual units, and you just try to kill everything on the battlefield. And that's it. Oh, no. Don't tell me I would enjoy playing Fire Emblem. That's scary. (laughs) I, you might, (laughs) you might not hate it. I mean, okay, so like, I I do enjoy those grid-based RTS games. Like, I like Mm -hmm. um, uh, what you you said it earlier, Kyle Mario Mario and Rabbids Mario Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. I really you might like this for what it's worth. Um, I just I it was it was caked in a little bit too much anime and. From mm-hmm. the outside looking in, I assumed there was a lot of menuing. So. Here's what I would say for you, Matt. <laughs> there actually Here's my... isn't a the menuing re- gets more involved in the depends later on games, the game. But here's what I would advise for you. Yeah, did you ever play Advance Wars when that was when we were younger? No, I didn't. I would recommend whenever the hell it comes out. I would recommend you look into the remake of Advance Wars that's coming mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. because that's a that's not that's much less anime than this. And if you like that game, come back to this. Okay. All right, sure, cool. That and right. Advance Wars is just Advance Wars game. fucking rules. I yeah. was kind of Adva- eyeing the Advance Wars remakes when they did the announcement video like two years ago. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Unfortunately, Advan- they are uh, they're indefinitely on hold. Yeah, pigeonholed. Yeah. Advance Wars rules. I'll I'll triple that. Yeah, endorsement. Um, so I'm gonna talk a little about the story. Spoiler alert: the stories for each of these games, especially the older ones, pretty basic and the exact same. <laughs> exact same every single time just are the names fighting, and the places change are we fighting a bad thing to save a good thing with the power of friendship uh yeah pretty much right. um which like to be fair that was incredibly non-specific uh, the year was 1990 <laughs> 1990x 
<laughs> yes, 1990X. So long ago, an evil dragon named Medeus led an army of dragon-worshipping shapeshifters called Menekets in a conquest across the continent of Arcanea. So that's our setting, is this continent of Arcanea. Oh. A, hero, a hero named Henri appeared and fought back the evil dragon, wielding the sacred sword Falchion. Henri would later go on to found the kingdom of Altea. Generations later, later Henri's descendant, Prince Marth, this is Marth. Ding. Hey, yeah. Ding. I know that guy. Is, uh, Marth is forced to flee Altea after his father, the king, is murdered and his sister kidnapped during an attack by the neighboring Dole Empire. So if you look at image number one and number two, hey, it's Marth from Smash. Hey, I know that guy. Where's the yeah. other half of his pants? <laughs> Same question. <laughs> yeah, so I, I gave you I gave you uh the the modern version and the uh or the classic version and the modern version. And uh I, I love these art styles in these old games because it's just so freaking eighties, man. It's oh, great. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um it's the, got big the, captain planet energy. It's big Captain Planet Energy. There's a lot of like Greek gods and like Roman gods kind of influence here. Um, these are very, very like Western inspired because these are all like warring kingdoms. I mean, it's just Game of Thrones anime style. These are warring kingdoms fighting for political power. But then it turns out that the ruler is actually trying to resurrect an ancient dragon deity mm-hmm. yada, yada, and bring yada. about the end of the world so he can rule the ashes. Yeah. Don't what you does hate he have when to that lose? happens? What does he have to lose? Andrew, can you, answer, can you answer a question about this first image? This yes, ominous figure in the background that I'm assuming is the villain. It is the bad guy. It is Andros from Star Fox. Yes. Is it, is it yep. a giant gorilla? <laughs> it definitely looks like a giant gorilla. It's, it's super not. Nice. It okay. just looks like a giant gorilla. I looks, do also- yeah, it looks like Gorilla, gorilla Grodd. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a moment to point out in picture one, in the bottom left corner, this group of people, the guy right in the middle has the most insane shoulder spikes I've ever seen. Why is he in the middle of everyone? <laughs> he should not be in the Matt, middle at all. He's Matt, like animal like... from the Road Warriors. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> if insane like... shoulder spikes are your thing, you're going to like Fire Emblem. Yeah. <laughs> Those pauldrons are based on Hellraiser. <laughs> Fire wow. Emblem has some of the most... like awesome ineffective armor i've ever yeah. seen in yeah, a really does. in a franchise shoulder uh, spikes are to fire emblem as trip pants are to kingdom hearts yep <laughs> so marth flees altea um he flees to the nearby kingdom of talus uh, and begins to put together a resistance force to fight back the impending threat of dolor who have begun to invade the neighboring countries of Arcanea. So Dolor is, is trying to is setting out to invade the other countries. Marth and his new teammates then form the Arcanea League and travel across the continent, fighting back in Dolor in several missions and uh, continue <laughs> as they continue to gain support and build their ranks. And that's pretty much how Fire Emblem works every single game, is you start small, you've got your lord, you've got your main protagonist, who's usually a royal or some sort, and then maybe he's got some retainers. Maybe he's got like a knight and some other like loyal followers. He's really got like, a got a horseback guy, an archer, he's just a and horseback a knight. guy. The usual yeah. D and D squad. <laughs> yeah. And then you you go through the first half of every Fire Emblem game is really just recruiting. You're going around. Maybe you're routing bandits or you're protecting an, from a, a castle from an attack, and you're recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And eventually, you amass this like huge army of all these people, and you're kind of like you know in 
basically growing and, and explain, expanding your influence, essentially. And that's yeah. what you're doing. Um, so eventually, Marth learns of Dolor's true purpose, which is, wait for it, to resurrect the ancient shadow dragon, Medeus, that, <laughs> that Marth's ancestor put down so long ago. Great. And, and the only way to stop them is to acquire the legendary sword, Falchion, and its counterpart, the Fire Emblem. Ah. Oh, so the Fire Emblem is a physical thing. The Fire Emblem is a real we, thing. Todd, I, I explained this in detail in our I MacGuffins specifically, episode. <laughs> I specifically remember you saying the Fire Emblem is anything. The Fire Emblem is a song at one the, point. Yep. The Fire Emblem is a song at one point. It's different things. <laughs> yeah, so Let I me would be like to make this clear that I do not dunk on no, me for being surprised Kyle, it's a shield. Right you're now. both right. You're both right. Because <laughs> Kyle said... It's always it's the fire emblem is whatever you need it to be. It always is a physical manifestation. It's just different in the different yep. games. And I've got I, we're gonna play a game. It's what's the fire emblem this time? <laughs> so we've so, got the shield spot on the bingo yes, card. Yes. So so uh, image three uh, shows the fire emblem. This is also actually called the binding shield, and uh, it's not just a shield. It's an infinity gauntlet. It's yeah. basically an infinity gauntlet. That got Matt's attention. So what happens is whenever um, whenever the Binding Shield is involved, so there's three games in which the Binding Shield appears as the Fire Emblem. Um, and in each of those three games, part of what you do is you go around and collect the five gems that go in these little like inlet spots on the shield. And that, that makes it, that turns it fully formed. Um, that creates, that gives the Fire Emblem its full potential, basically. Um, what it's what is the fire emblem's full potential? You might ask. It, it grants a wish. No, it, it releases the it, dragon. Much like the five dragon balls, <laughs> it awakens. It awakens Tiki, an ancient dragon spirit who also looks like a ten year old girl, and that's image four. Because of course, because what of the course. Fuck did you just Damn. say to me, Andrew? I did not think the. I did not think mm -hmm. the thousand-year-old dragon looking like a ten-year-old girl was in the original game. The original thought, fucking game. I yeah. thought that was a modern. A, a modern thing they did that's the, for upsetting. what it's worth tiki has different ages this is her young variation <laughs> can uh, we jump do, to the game where it's no longer the young <laughs> i variation? believe <laughs> i believe she's an adult in the original but i'd have to double check my aren't we talking oh, about okay. the original right now also that statement will hold up the hold, tiki, hold up appears, in, tiki appears in several games this image is from a more recent mm -hmm. from the i believe the ds release where they did the 10 year old mm -hmm. Yeah, got version. it yeah okay so got it. marth and team marth's got the falchion he's got fire emblem he's got the army together he's got the band he's got everything it's now time to confront the evil garnef who is the wizard <laughs> who is the evil wizard leading the dragon cult what a dumpy name that's that's uh andros on that image yeah. that's yeah, garnef yeah, yeah. um his, so he's got to take him down to secure Falchion. I'm sorry, he doesn't have Falchion yet. He he slay, he kills Garnef to get Falchion. Once he has Falchion, then he successfully slays Medeus before Medeus can be fully resurrected. And that's the end of Fire Emblem 1. Okay. Okay. I understand yeah. the equation. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm there. Let's see it play out again. How, exactly. Do you know, Andrew, how long the original p took to play? Depends roughly? how much you die. Well, right, yeah. but like... Assuming, I mean, a couple like, hours. Okay, so sh yeah. much shorter than than modern ones. Yeah, yeah, much okay. shorter than modern. It's only ones. it's only a hit, like twenty Probably maps, like six hours. I would imagine. Okay, okay. Um, so next we so two years later we've got Fire Emblem Gaiden or Gaiden. Um, Gaiden is a Japanese is Japanese for another story. 
Um, and Gaiden is often used in games to delineate, or they call them Gaiden games, which are side stories, basically. Not necessarily sequels, but things that take place around the same universe, around the same time. So um, has so Ninja Gaiden this whole time meant like another ninja story? And that's, I have no idea. And that's the whole franchise? No idea. Hmm. I'm pretty huh. sure the answer to that is yes. Okay. I cool. believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so in this case, Fire Emblem Gaiden is a side story to Fire Emblem 1, which and Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, I'm just going to call Fire Emblem 1. Um, Gaiden follows in the same tradition as Zelda 2, Super Mario Brothers 2, Simon's Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, etc., etc., by being a significant departure from its predecessor. This was the, the Nintendo sequel curse. Um, <laughs> Fire, Emblem, Fire Emblem Gaiden would incorporate a lot more traditional RPG mechanics, like freely traversing a world map, um, walking around towns without battles, in favor of the menuing that most traditional FE games do. Um, most Fire Emblem games focus just on the combat. This was more of like, you know, more of an RPG. Um, most of that combat, though, for what it's worth, remained relatively unchanged from Fire Emblem 1 with some minor nuances. Um, the difficulty was consistent, of course, but ramped up even more because in this game, losing certain characters would basically softlock you from progressing hours later. Oh, <laughs> good. Bummer. Yeah. And there would be no signal. It would just be like, you can't move forward because you lost this archer three missions ago. What a oh, great mechanic. Because no. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now, like... Di different time, man. Like, the most it'll do now is you'll, it'll lock you off of um, side quests. Side quests, but bonus like, stuff, if whatever, a main yeah. if a main character would die, you just, yeah, just can't, over. You can't proceed. Whereas, they like, you can proceed if a minor character dies off. Yep. It just reminds me so much of, like, the, the the things that the kids these days won't experience of like games that weren't built to be forgiving. I yeah. mean, yes. games that would like you just be stuck. You're stuck now. Yeah. You're stuck. And the Super Nintendo doesn't have the power to like create multiple saves yeah. to save scum. Like you're stuck. Well, you're and, done. Like, and back then, you know, you probably games are so fucking expensive that you probably only ha would buy two games a year. Right? Yeah. And, right. and they were, they were only six to seven hours in length. So difficulty was the only way for people to get value to yeah. get perceived value out of these games. So like, yeah, it was just, it was just a thing. Well, and, it, <clears throat> and it's also probably worth noting like 90, 1992, this is still at the time where like guides, didn't exist you'd call the nintendo hotline yep. to like yeah. and they'd be get, like get, get advice from a dude who got the game a week before you so yeah. i, I don't even too. know if that was a thing in japan to be honest with it, you that it, might yeah. it wasn't that was an, that was a nintendo of america thing That's true. so yeah, I, right. I do i do want to note here there is a reason why we didn't get these games in america because they were so hard this was very much a nintendo of japan thing there's a ton of games i mean Fi final fantasy half the old final fantasy games didn't come to america most of the yeah. dragon quest game early dragon quest games didn't for the same reason nintendo of japan felt that there were only certain games that were fitting for american audiences they mm. did they were not interested in localizing really nuanced like heavy duty shit like this and i don't think this would have done very well in 1990 to be honest oh, with you no absolutely not um it did well when it did because of smash but but yeah so they also like for the same reason like we have our own version of super mario bros 2 for the because the original super mario bros 2 was deemed to be too hard um, see also Mega Man 2, like a bunch of other games that we, mm. we even got. We got significant differences too. Yeah, so, real, um, real quick, uh, mm -hmm. I did look the main story of Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light 26 and a half hours. Oh, me. wow. Oh, shit. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Good, good call. Yeah. So, fuck. It's a long <laughs> ass game. Um, 
so a few inter- interesting things that do pop up in Gaiden. Like I said, most a lot of those things kind of went away or lived only with this game. But Gaiden introduced kind of a prototype of what would eventually become the support system. Which you've played a Fire Emblem uh, game, you've interacted with this. Now, you. in in Gaiden, it was only so much as so there there are two main protagonists. Their names are Alm and Celica, and they only they kind of have clashing. Um, Inter- interweaving, interwoven campaigns. So there's only a few missions where they actually are fight together. But in those missions, if you pair them next to each other, they get additional buffs. Like they might attack, have better attack or things like that. Higher um, crit rate or something. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, the last thing is uh, Gaiden introduced the villager class, which is um, a mechanic where basically it's considered to be a, like a growth unit. This is something you can in Fire Emblem games and a lot of modern ones where if you train them, like they start off really weak, but you train them and they get these like crazy stat growths as the game goes on and they end up being like these monster characters. It's the it's the Eevee of Fire it's Emblem. It's the Eevee, yep. Can kind of the do magic whatever, carp. fill whatever, fill what, yeah, EV plus Magikarp, like it'll fill whatever role you need it to when it levels up, and it'll yep. level up into something awesome. Yep. Hmm. Um. So let's get into the story. So Fire Emblem Gaiden takes place on the continent of Valencia, or Valencia, it's kind of translation things. Um, Valencia does exist in the same world of Arcanea. It's actually, in canon, it's it's a continent, continent located to the west of Arcanea. However, Gaiden, while it takes place in the same world, the events occur thousands of years later after Shadow Dragon. Um, the world of Valencia is ruled by two conflicting sibling gods. You've got the war-hungry Duma and the pacifist Mila. Do you want to guess which one's the antagonist? Uh, the pacifist Mila. <laughs> that's correct. Yep. There it is. Um, so Feels the right. two... <laughs> that's that's not true. They, uh, their <laughs> ideologies, the two gods' ideologies are realized in the two reigning countries of Rigel and Zofia, um, respectively. So one worships one, the other worships the other. Gaiden stars two protagonists this time, uh, childhood friends Alm and Celica, who we see in image five. This is the cover art for Gaiden. Um, Alm and Celica experience separate stories that eventually will come together as the last chapter in the game. Um, so Alm and Celica are shown. So Alm is in the front there with the green bowl cut, and then oh, Celica yeah. is to is to the left. The green bowl cut on the blue armor is a look. It's, it's a, a look. It's a look. Uh, um, they do they do get a glow up in 2017 uh, in their remake. Question: um, What is uh, Robbie Rotten doing there in the all gold <laughs> armor? <laughs> he's hanging out, man. <laughs> he's no your, thoughts, just vibes. Yeah, every Fire Emblem has a trap character. He's your trap character. So Alm's story begins with him leading a band of soldiers across Zofia to take out a general that has murdered the sitting king of Zofia in a coup d'état. Um, that he later learns was funded by the neighboring country, Rigel. Um, while Celica, meanwhile, embarks on a journey to find the missing goddess, Mila, the pacifist goddess. During her journey, she and her, term, her team murder a bunch of pirates and learn that Celica is actually the long-lost princess of Zofia. Surprise! Um, <laughs> Celica eventually finds Mila sealed within the sacred sword, Falchion. Right. Hey, it's back. It's yep. back. And uh, sealed together, within the sword, you said? Sealed within the sword, I said. Okay. <laughs> um, together, she joins up with Alm's forces, and the two march into Ragel to fight back against the invading army, basically. Um, 
Alm and Selica fight their ways through Rigel and find the source of the coup d'etat, which is a cult, a cult that worships the god Duma. Surprise. Uh, uh, they make their way to the cult stronghold, slay its priest, which causes Duma himself to appear. And so together, Alm and Selica slay God with the power of friendship mm-hmm. and then get married and rule over a now unified Valencia as the first king and queen of this new country. Good nice. for those guys. Um, Good for them. So Fal- Falchion is like it's the the hero's the sword, sword, the ma- yeah, yeah master sword, the Excalibur of it's yes, just going to keep showing up and doing magical uh, things. It, it actually doesn't show up that much. It only so there's when it comes to Fire Emblem's like world. For a while, most of the games took place in Arcanea, and then they started branching out into other like universes, oh, okay. kind of. So Falchion only exists in the Arcanea world universe gotcha gotcha okay which is also why the fire emblem is different things because it's different things in different universes so it's it's got some legend of zelda placey waciness you know yep yeah okay so game three fire emblem colon mystery of the emblem which uh came out for the super famicom which is the obviously the japanese version of the super nintendo in 1994 Um, this one feels like the title for the first game (laughs) (laughs) yeah it kind of does it kind of does well so actually it interesting you say that because mystery of the emblem is actually a remake and a sequel all in one oh Ah. yeah so kind of is uh so mystery of the emblem was broken up into two parts essentially book one or part one was intended to be a full remake of, of Fire Emblem 1, but due to the cartridge memory in the Super Famicom, it was they actually it was an abridged remake, so they had to cut some stuff. So it was kind of a retelling of Shadow Dragon. Okay. In book in book two or part two was an all new story set directly two years after the events of Fire Emblem One. So this is coming back to Marth and, and Marth and Friends. Um, the mystery of the emblem was a huge hit, way more so than Gaiden. Um, making that the most successful of the Japan exclusive titles. Um, I think okay. since that time, yeah. So Mystery of the Emblem, until the international release, this was the most successful title. Mm, okay, mm. cool. Um, Intelligence Systems also released four chapters as a kind of prototype pseudo DLC. Um, so Nintendo, Japan consoles of all, Nintendo and Sega experiment with all kinds of DLC shit in the 90s and the 2000s yeah. with um, with their different Japan exclusive stuff. Um, there was, I had never heard of this, but apparently Super Famicom had an incredibly short-lived sati- satellite radio streaming service called Satellaview. Yeah. Oh. That's a real let's, thing. Okay. Yeah, let's dog ear that for one of our December episodes. <laughs> Uh, so Intelligence System released four chapters for this game as like continuing story stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, so Mystery of the Emblem also would officially roll out the real iteration of the support system. And, and this system, to just to kind of reiterate, what this does is it grants units additional buffs, improved crit rates, improved avoidance, like evasion rates, right? If they if they stand next to each other on the grid while they're yeah. battling. And that is something that has existed in different ways throughout the entirety of the franchise to, since this point. The Fire Emblem version of like, if if standing within five feet of this character, you get advantage yes. on this it is, type of role. Like, it, is how, it is how Matt's paladin character can impose disadvantage with his shield. Yes. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. definitely that. Was, okay... Here's a question that's kind of related, I guess. 
was Dungeons and Dragons huge in Japan? Was there a it was lot definitely of a thing influencing yeah. this type oh, okay. of game? Hmm. Oh yeah, it absolutely was. Because um, Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy, is is heavily influenced. I mean, there's dwarves and elves and all kinds of stuff heavily influenced by D and D. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's just that it Nintendo of Japan knew this stuff existed, but it didn't. They didn't feel like it would translate to video games. And yeah. it didn't have, and it's it's all about mass appeal, right? Like there are fans, there are going to be fans of anything, but it's 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 a business decision. It's it's will this have the mass appeal for the you know the the traditional Cheeto dust sucking twelve year olds that play our <laughs> games in America? Cheeto dust Mountain Dew drinkers, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the story. So this is two years following the original Fire Emblem, um, the events now that are now being called the War of Shadows. Um, Marth and Kada, who is one of the units from Fire Emblem One, that's his canon love interest. Um, Marth and Kada are about to be wed and are in the process of healing a broken Altea. And Kada is shown on image six. This is actually a screenshot, or this is from the short-lived um, anime adaptation of Fire Emblem, which interestingly enough came to the states. What? Really? Wow. Yep. So people actually watched. Got like people could you could watch an a an English dub of the Fire Emblem OVA original video animation <laughs> years before you could it actually came out play Smash. Fire Emblem. Mm. Yeah. Wild. Yep. Pretty cool. Pretty funny. Um, so Marth gets called in for one last round and uh, goes leads an army to put down a few rebellions here, a few bandits there. And uh, he meets up with his old war buddies from from Fire Emblem One. Unfortunately, the call is coming from inside the house, and it appears that the king of the newly formed Arcanean Empire is behind all of these rebellions. Uh. And war, uh, dang it! <laughs> and war once again arrives at Altea. Uh, so Cada uh, flees along with the rest of Marth's family, um, and then joins up with Marth. And together, they they embark on a journey to regather the seers of the Fire Emblem and protect <laughs> the world from ruin. And when I say they're running this plan, this play again. They're running this play again because Marth confronts Harden, who is a who is a, 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 a character, a unit in, in FE1, Fire Emblem 1. Um, Harden is now the newly appointed king of Arcanea. He learns that the spirit of Garnef has been controlling him the whole time. Oh, no. Okay. Garnef. Is that, is that the exact same name or is it a slightly changed version? Nope. It's just, okay. it's just Ganon's back, baby. That's all right. <laughs> uh, Gardef's trying to resurrect Medeus again, so it's time to it's time to get the boys back together. It is we exactly gotta, the same thing. <laughs> yep. We gotta kill Garnef and reclaim the Faustian again and slay Medeus again. I don't know how Garnef acquired Faustian again. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, so it's, yeah, so he he does that. It's just the game gets, plus version of FE1 then, right? Yeah, like, fuck it. <laughs> Whatever you're gonna, you're gonna shove it down your ear holes. You I mean, idiots. how you're many times? Play how many times has Link been in search of the Triforce? Like, I mean, right? Like, enough, yeah. yeah. Why doesn't Why doesn't Link just put it in the cedar chest? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Marth gets Faustian again, slays Medeas again, but this time he and the remaining nobles decide to inst- to create a bit of League of Nations, if you will, and uh, instead of just saying like, "Hey, there's." just going to be we're just going to make a bunch of god kings they uh make they kind of come together as one unified arcanean alliance and appoint marth as king of the arcanean alliance oh okay so cool. they they make yeah. the united they make the united states but they make the united nations yeah, united nations, yeah. but yeah. like if they had a king <laughs> oh yeah yeah 
<laughs> cool. So that's uh, that's mystery of the emblem. Uh, fast forward another two years. Now we have the fourth game, which is Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War. Yeah, see, not which as is a catchy, title. not as catchy as perhaps their I, opening I can, title. I can see yeah. why this one didn't sell as well as as Mystery <laughs> of the Emblem. So yeah, so this is the one where you know every series has the one for purists. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is Genealogy of the Holy War. This is the real like push up the glasses like well. I play FE4. Um, <laughs> the Fire Emblem Reddit is subreddit is is quite a place. Is this the dream drop distance? Is is, it, is that <laughs> this one? I think it's actually if you're going to compare it to Kingdom Hearts, this is the uh, um, Birth by Sleep, which is the one where everybody is like, "No, it's the best one. I promise." No, it's not. Yeah. If you play so ge- all the way ge- to the end and play it genealogy, again, genealogy. Right? So what is where genealogy genealogy of the Holy War is legitimately interesting. It is. Definitely, probably still one of the most ambitious, ambitious FE titles. Um, so Genealogy of the Holy War was designed to be this epic spanning several decades of a conflict. Think like um, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, right? Like mm. think like this big like Odyssey or Shakespearean like, ep- you know what I mean? Like very, very theatrical, right? Um the primary setting is this time is in a brand new continent called Jugdral. Um, oh. Jugdral is not a great name, but again, <laughs> localization. This also, again, like reminder, this was never actually fully translated to English. This is all just like fan translations. Yeah. So, ah. Yep. So Jugdral. The good stuff. The, the good <laughs> shit. Right um, so Jugdral is comprised of eight kingdoms. The eight kingdoms don't really matter. Um, This is a separate, completely separate setting from Arcanea, like I said, but designers have gone on record stating that genealogy takes place in the same universe, but hundreds of years before Arcanea's creation. So it's possible that this is Arcanea before it was, but again, it doesn't really matter. No one's like, again, this is the Quentin Tarantino. Everything's related. Who cares? (laughs) Um, They both link their, their world's backstory to ancient God drag or ancient dragon gods for what it's worth. So genealogy introduced a ton of new things that would go on to be iconic staples of the series. Most notably, the weapon triangle. Oh. Kyle, what's the weapon triangle? Ah, uh, the weapon triangle is the it's the Pokemon strengths and weaknesses, but in Fire Emblem, it's the rock um, paper scissors of medieval the, ah, me, yep, okay. yeah, rock paper so scissors. Swords, swords beat axes, and lances beat swords, and axes beat lances, and yep. um, yeah, you exactly. do that to, so that's, to not it, lose it, as hard. So this is this uh, spices up your melee fighters. So now it's not just melee units, but you've got strengths and weaknesses. So this is, gives you a little bit more tactical decisions when you're when you're playing. Um, the other major mechanic here was the genealogy part of it all. Um, so this game actually takes place in two major phases across a 15 year gap. In That's part a lot one, of time for one game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now there, it's a time skip. It's not you don't play through fifteen of years. Course. It's a time skip. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, this this plays across because this is playing across a, an entire war. So you start in part one, and you start to build up this team. And you throughout part one, you can pair up male and female units and smush them together, and they will have children. Like you that, know, people are want to do in war. That people are want to do in war. Yeah. I mean, right. right? And then in part two. All of those children from your units become your playable team. You make a child yeah. army. We're doing a, you make child, a child army. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, make a child army. You know, I'm yeah. not going to lie. Coming into this flavor text, 
didn't see that one coming. <laughs> We've talked about Fire Emblem before. I feel like you should have unilaterally saw that coming. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really cool mechanic. Uh, they've brought it back um, in a yep. few games. Uh, but this was, again, like an incredibly ambitious thing because this is like a Super Nintendo game. Uh, but like really, really cool. And people, again, like people love this. Um, this is a huge, huge. Again, this is this is the this is the game for the real fans. Um, while there are fan translations out there, this is one of three Fire Emblem games to never have gone an international release. So some of the games we talked about before, Shadow Dragon and Gaiden, both have been re-released for handheld. Um, this one, the next one we talk about in Mystery of the Emblem have never been, or I guess four, because Binding Blade. So four have never been um, yeah. localized. This what I've been looking these up as we go, and when I looked up, um, Fire Emblem 4 remake. I got a lot of Reddit pages. How I imagine the Fire yeah. Emblem 4 em- remake yeah. would happen. So th- it's like, this oh, is yeah, also yeah. because this is the purists game. A lot of people have speculated that they're going to remake this on Switch. I do not think they're going to remake this on Switch because I think they'll make remake Mother 3 on Switch before they remake this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I do not think they're going no. to ever remake Mother, Switch, Mother 3. So uh, so let's talk about the story. The, obviously, a 15-year war epic. This story is huge. This game is huge. I'm only covering the highlights. Uh, so part one stars a man named Sigurd, the, who is the <laughs> son of one of the noble lords of Granvale, who's one of the eight kingdoms. Um, Sig- uh, Granvale is... Or, or, I'm sorry, Sigurd begins by leading this campaign, fighting back an, invas- fighting back an invasion into the, his weakened kingdom. Um, during this time, he meets a mysterious woman named Deirdre, and the two fall in love and have a child named Selif. And image seven is Sigurd. So he's yeah. our first protagonist for part one. Yeah, Sigurd is not subtle. No. Not at no. all. No. That he, whole, uh, whole white cloak, white white yeah. outfit, he looks white like, horse. He looks like Kaiba. He, he does look does. like Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> yeah. he, I mean, he is, he is the, the subject of an opera. Like, that's what yep. we're doing here. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a real fancy boy. He's yep. a real fancy boy. So uh, soon after this, after he meets Deirdre, the Prince of Granville is assassinated and Sigurd and his father are framed for the murder and they're both forced into exile. Meanwhile, an evil archbishop, archbishop kidnaps Deirdre and attempts to erase her memories and forces her to marry the lord of neighboring Velthomer because as it turns out, both she and this lord both carry blood from an ancient race of dragons. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and their union would spawn the vessel for reincarnating an, an evil earth dragon named Loptus. Just so much That's would awesome. would be solved if mm-hmm. dragons wouldn't be polymorphing and getting horny with, <laughs> with people. I mean, you know, people the, gonna people gonna do what they're gonna do. These dragons are are dragons, Zeus. Dragons yeah. gonna do what they're gonna do, Todd. Yeah, man. So Sigurd, still in exile, hides his and Deirdre's child, like I named their their child Selif hides them away from the dragon cult. He then fights his way back to Granville, again, cutting down bandits and cultists and things <laughs> along the way, building an army. Um, but he arrives to find that Duke Arvis, who's the one that married Deirdre, Duke Arvis had already married Deirdre, and then um, he gets murdered by Arvis, Game of Thrones style, like just in publicly executed. Nice. Bummer. 15 years later, Granville now holds dominion over the entirety of Jugdral, and Arvis leads as its emperor. Deirdre and Arvis have two children, again, Deirdre being Celis' mother, birth mother. 
They have two children, both of whom are vessels for ancient dragon gods. Their son is the evil dragon, and their daughter is the good Uh, dragon. Of course. It's subtle what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so Deirdre is able to transport the good dragon daughter out while the bad dragon son overthrows (laughs) his father and thus assumes command over Granville. It's the Targaryens, but... Kind of. But uh, for, but Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sigurd's son, Selif, comes out of hiding, and he then builds a team, an army of child soldiers, and and uh, made up of the children of Sigurd's resistance team from 15 years prior, and image eight is Sigurd. I like Sigurd better than, or you mean Selif? Selif. Selif, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I like Selif more than Sigurd. Yeah, so there's a lot of blue-haired sword boys. <laughs> Selif looks a lot more like Marth than... Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do. A lot yes. of them look like Marth, but... Um, yes. It's just different Marth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different Marth than the, Marth, than if, the former Marth. If you've ever played Smash Bros., you know that they're all just different Marths. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, so Selif and his team of child, his team of child soldiers, fight back against Arvis's army, and together with the good dragon daughter, uh, successfully sealed the evil, the bad dragon away. And Selif then takes the throne as the rightful ruler of Granvale. Hooray! Great. That's genealogy. So I've, on to our I've, next game. Before we go on, I I want to say I I've always wondered why the names get so weird throughout this series and it's because they have to come up with like 300 names every so, game <laughs> there's a really good video anybody i mentioned uh bgg brian david gilbert um his unraveled series did an, a fire emblem episode yeah and there's a point where he notes one there are 596 characters as of three houses oh my and, god but more importantly two only three of them repeat names yeah wow yeah wow Pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, next game. This game is called Thracia 776. Rolls <laughs> off the tongue. It is called that because Thracia is what's called what's considered to be an interquell. Is so this, is this our multiverse? Place, is this our multiverse entry? Not quite. This okay. takes place in between parts one and two of genealogy. This is our Halo ODST. This is our Halo ODST ah. or um what's the rogue one? Uh, oh okay yeah 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 um so this game was originally released on the japanese exclusive nintendo power not the magazine (laughs) a a peripheral called nintendo power which was a system that allowed people to download roms onto this like flash memory card and then it would they could play them on their famicom or game boy systems or super famicom wow that's pretty advanced Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, Japan, this is also 1999, but their experiments yeah, but still, was really yeah. cool and weird shit. Yeah. Just stuff that we never got. I mean, high-speed internet wasn't a, really like a thing mm-hmm. at that point. No, no not at all. Um, it was also for like super rich people. I mean, this was uh, this was also in Japan where like they mm-hmm. got an internet infrastructure yeah, internet like cafes way before. Sure. Like, yeah. 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 You could probably um, go somewhere and take your physical go somewhere. ROM and yeah, download it. You yep. go to a CVS and get it like you get your get your photos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, they did. Re- and then they released a, a just a full Super Camp Famicom version the next year. So this was released in 1999. Do you guys remember what else was in, around in 1999 at this point? Um, Pokemon Gold and Silver for one. That 
one. The N64. Also, the N64 is what I was looking for. Uh, I did not know when the N64 actually released. So, uh, 96. Yep. Okay. So, Thracia, um, Thracia is a bit of a dark horse. It's the least selling or one of the least selling em- entries of all time. Oh, so it is the double dash of Fire Emblem. <laughs> no, there is a double dash here. We're not, we're going to get to it <laughs> for more reasons than that. But it, it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's your Link's Awakening. Okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so Thracia did inc- introduce a few new, new mechanics that would stick around. Um, rescuing units is something you can do. So like if you've got somebody in, in the, like the line of fire, you can like pull them back mm. and like, yeah. defend basically like sacrifice their turn to defend them. Um, also capturing objectives. So in this, until this point you could only win by killing everything. Um, in more later fire emblem games, one of the other objectives is seizing thrones. So it's just like landing on a space essentially. Um, so that this introduced capturing and then also introduced fog of war, which if you don't know what that is, it's just, you can't see the whole battlefield. You can only see what's in your immediate units, like, um, yeah. d- vision range, yeah. sight range. Sure. Um, one thing that didn't stay that they used was this mechanic was this fatigue mechanic, which not only on top of the permadeath and general difficulty of fire emblem, this would artificially take units out of battle for an entire matches or entire missions. If they just did too many actions. Oh, so if you had no. somebody that, yeah. So if you had somebody that just like, Hey, this is my tank. I want him to attack. Mm-hmm. If he attacked too much, he would just be tired for the next mission. Oh, that's had, fucking like, mean. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. So obviously, like this game did not do this. That game was not very successful, due in part the difficult difficulty, but also just its release time coming two years into the Nintendo sixty four's life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, people just you know weren't interested in a Super Famicom game in t- nineteen ninety nine two thousand. Yeah. Um, and also like genealogy, Thracia was never officially localized. Like I said, um, although this fan, there are some fan translations for this one. There are a ton more for genealogy. Um, story is really short. I'm just, it's got, I've got two bullets here. So Thracia seven, seven, six stars, uh, a man named Leif, um, who is a playable character from part two of genealogy. So this is kind of like his prequel, I guess. Um, he is the heir to a house within the country of Thracia during Arvis's reign during like Granville's like in, you know, invading all these other countries. Um, Leif survives an attack in his home state with the help of one of Sigurd's crew and then goes into hiding. Image nine is Leif. Um, the, the Duke that takes Leif's throne then sends a bunch of people out to kill him. And then Leif enlists a gang of freedom fighters and fights back against the Granville soldiers, eventually liberating Northern Thracia from the, their influence by killing their leader who also appears to be, happens to be a lich. Oh, ah. not a dragon. Not, not a, dragon. a dragon. It is different. Not a dragon. Sometimes, different. That out. Sometimes it's zombies. Cool. Next game. Um, so now we're getting into the GBA generation. So this Woo. is the one that Kyle and I kind of cut our teeth on. This is the one I up- got the first, like probably a, almost beat. With, was it not within five maps? Quite. Of oh, not quite. Not we got yet. one more this before one, oh, that. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So before we get into the GBA games, I do want to talk about, like I said, the most influential Fire Emblem <laughs> game to, to this point, which of course is Smash Brothers Melee. <laughs> so Masahiro Sakurai, developer, creator of Smash Bros., was such a fan of the series in Japan that he insisted that Marth be an addition to the roster of characters. He actually, apparently he had planned on Marth being in the original and just like didn't have space. But like, this was like on his hot list of like, I need Marth to be on this. Cause again, like fire, fire emblem, 
Fire Emblem, the original Fire Emblem sold 300,000 copies in Japan. Like, not terrible, but definitely was, like, not a huge series. Like, this was a series oh. for the fans. How many did yeah. you say it sold? Like, 300,000, I think. Okay. Um, You can, if somebody I'm, wants to I am Googling fact it, check but me. If- Okay. The, oh. the numbers are there in Wikipedia. That's I vaguely remember it being three to four hundred thousand, but um, oh, it's seven. It's seven fifty thousand. Okay. okay, great. So uh, you know, successful but not like blockbuster, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Sakurai just still is obviously, obviously a huge Fire Emblem fan, and um, interestingly enough, this is two thousand. Smash Melee came out in two thousand one. It had been now eight years since a generally popular fire emblem game had come out so the buzz was definitely waning and also marth hadn't been in a game until this point for again since the mystery of the the emblem which was 94 right yeah yeah so marth being in there is is kind of an anomaly to begin with um but not only did they put marth in there uh he also insisted, let's put Roy, because like he basically worked with intelligence systems to say, like, hey, let's promote the next Fire yeah. Emblem game that you guys have coming up yeah. by putting your character. So Roy was included in Fire Emblem before he appeared in his own game. Well, that's I mean, they did that. They've done Which that is, for a lot of you, you Smash exactly. releases. He was included what they did in for Corn. Smash Smash Bros before he was in it. Yeah. Melee. Yes. Yeah. What, is that what I? Is that not you what I said, said that he was included in Fire Emblem before he was yeah. in his own game? Oh, but sorry. Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah. 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 So I think that's kind of cool. Um, and then in in a turn of fate, Sakurai never planned on like Sakurai planned on those two characters being Japan exclusive. Um, but at the last second, Nintendo of America were like, "Nah, they seem cool. Let's keep them in." Yeah. Ah. And it completely changed the trajectory of the entire franchise. <laughs> Thus, so, it became the dawn of Sword Boys. So yeah, yeah. for reference, um, Melee did half the sales that Mystery of the Emblem did in its first week in Japan. So wow. <laughs> um, Mystery of the Emblem sold 75 or seven, 750,000 copies its whole run. Um, Super Smash Bros. Melee sold 400,000 copies its Ooh. first week in Japan in its J- yeah. Japan of Japan release. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's that tracks. So again, these 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 this series is never is never going to be a mainline series like a Mario or a Zelda, but it it does well enough. Yeah. Uh yeah, so Martha and Roy were included. Um we all played Melee and were like, who are these sword boys? I <laughs> fell in love with Roy. I loved Marth. I'm Kyle, sounds like you did the same. Oh yeah. <clears throat> but I fell in love until someone got really good with Marth and then I hated yeah. Marth with a passion <laughs> yeah. but that's different um, there, there's in, in, in Melee the, uh, that theme that that's the that is from that's like the main fight theme from the original Fire Emblem and it's used in they reused it in the Shadow Dragon remake um, they used a, in, obviously they've used like a bunch of locations from the original so yeah it's really cool stuff um, Let's go back to Roy. So Roy was, like I said, promotional stunt for the next game called Fire Emblem The Binding Blade, which came out for the Game Boy Advance in 2002. Um, Now, Binding Blade uh, would introduce yet another continent to the mix, um, but it also uh, did a couple other things. So Binding Blade basically set the tone for the GBA games moving forward, and there are three GBA games, to be precise. Um, So it, it changed up the support system to be what it is today. So this basically incorporated 
these support dialogues that you could collect. Like basically these are additional like little dialogue scenes when you fight your character, when you pair your characters up, they will build relationship status and they will get these little support dialogues that just shows a little bit more into their backstory, their characterization. It helps people it kind of, you know, people identify with the people and it, it builds them on in them a little bit other than just being like the sword dude and the archer gal. It, it gives a story reason for why they're supporting each other instead of yep. just a mechanical one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, uh, you know, certain units can pair up with each other, so they don't all have dialogues with everybody. So, like, the game intends for certain people to be mixed with others, you know? Uh, so, and then it also added magic to the weapon triangle. So not only do we have um, axe, spear, la- or spear, sword, we now have um, arcane magic, dark magic, light magic. Yep. Hmm. Hmm. So Binding Blade, like I said, introduces the fourth continent to Fire Emblem, Elib. E-L-I-B-E. Um, backstory with Elib, a long time ago, humanity and dragons fought Ding. each other in a war known as the Scouring. <laughs> Found it. Um, humanity ultimately defeated the dragons with the power of the eight divine weapons, which were then scattered across the lands. Are the eight weapons the Fire Emblem? <laughs> our protagonist, <laughs> our protagonist is, no reading is, ahead, Todd. <laughs> our protagonist is Roy, the son of Elliewood, who is the ruling Marquess of the Kingdom of Ferrey. Um, I think it's Ferrey or Ferrey. I don't know. Hey, it's Roy from Smash in Image Ten. You know, yeah. that. You know him. He's our yeah. boy. He's our Roy's boy. Our Roy's boy. our boy. That's right. What a weird localization thing. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, localization is a hell of a drug, man. It super so, is. Roy collects a team of soldiers to fight back against the invading kingdom of Burn. Same, <laughs> same, same play, different names. Uh, during the fighting, Roy meets up with a woman named Guinevere who fled Burn with the royal treasure of Burn. Say it with me. The, the fire emblem. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, it could have been the fire emblem, been power of friendship, anything. or ancient dragon brought back to destroy the earth. That's yep. fair. Roy and his crew discovered the Durandal, which is one of the eight divine weapons, and then journey across Elib to find the remaining seven. They do that, and then Roy leads an army to Burn's doorstep and discovers the Binding Blade, which is a powerful sword that can rule all over the eight divine weapons. Roy and company learn that during the scouring, the dragon sealed away a divine dragon named Idun. Um, it's literally spelled <laughs> like I-D-U-N-N, like I done. <laughs> I done. <laughs> Um, the ancient dragons enslaved her to reproduce dragons at an alarming rate, Um, but the ancient dragon demon was ultimately slayed by a hero wielding the binding blade. Burn, of course, as one does, is attempting to resurrect Idun and initiate a new (laughs) age of dragons to lay waste across the land. Love it. Cool. So, of course, as you do, Roy and team fight a dragon with the power of friendship and the fire emblem. Case closed. Love it. So now... Now we get to Fire Emblem the Blazing Blade or Fire uh, Emblem for the giant, what w- was localized as Fire Emblem Fire for the Emblem. Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. this is the, this one, is that, the one that we got. Yep. What's so weird about Blazing Blade is Blazing Blade is actually a prequel to Binding Blade. Yeah. I did and, know that. I did know yep. it was like the prequel to the one with Roy in it. And they were just like, yeah, fuck it. We won't give him the one with Roy in it. We'll give him the prequel with his dad. We won't give him the one with the character they all know and love. Yeah. Let's give him the one with his dad. And that's what those jerks did. And we still have not got Binding Blade. Nope. So, yep. So after, um, and also I should note at this point, Advance Wars had also come out. So 
it wasn't just Smash Bros. Melee. It was also Advance Wars was localized, or Famicom Wars was advanced was localized to Advance Wars. That also came out around the same time. That game was pretty popular for the GBA. Japan was, and, and again, like Warcraft was out there, right? Like, yep. Warcraft, tactical, Starcraft, tactical RPGs were, were definitely a thing in the West. Yeah. Like Japan was like, yeah, it's time. Let's you know, let's, let's launch the nuclear these, sub. Give and, these dumb Americans, yeah. Let's give them these Cheeto dust nerds their their due. <laughs> so uh, so Nintendo finally decided to localize Fire Emblem um, as uh, localize the Blazing Blade as Fire Emblem that released in two thousand four for the Game Boy Advance. Um, now for the first time with Blazing Blade, we actually get three protagonists that lead three separate campaigns. So the game is broken up into three parts. Um, you've got Roy's father, Elliewood, who I mentioned, he's the Marquess of Foray. Um, you've got Elliewood's friend Hector, who appears in the beginning chapters of Binding Blade. His daughter actually marries Roy and they become leaders of Frey together. Ah. Yeah, so that's why Hector's in there. And then we and then a new brand new character named Lynn. Yes. Now Lynn was developed. Lynn was developed to be a tutorial chapter for the baby baby Americans. Ah, <laughs> there we go. Yep. yep. Lynn, Lynn's campaign exists to like in its own thing. It's like kind of disconnected from Elliewood and Hector's story. I do remember um, that. And Lynn's campaign was actually optional in the Japanese version in Blazing Blade. If, uh, but if it's, you man- were, it's mandatory in the US version. If you didn't want to play the dumb, dumb American version of the game. Yeah. Because nice. it, teach- it teaches you the absolute basics. I forget which... Uh, um, which Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, like, new character release it was, but there was one where it was, like, huge, like, very heavily hinted, like, this is going to be a Fire Emblem character, guys. And everyone was like, it better be Hector or Lynn, or I'm going to burn uh, my my copy yeah, of, of it Smash. Um, and it wasn't people, either of them. People love Lynn. Lynn is, like, still to this day one of the most popular, oh, yeah. famous characters. And that I think a lot of it's because it's the first, like... That was the first character anybody playing that yep. first game ever met. Yep. Sure. You know? um, Lynn also is a trophy in uh, Brawl and 4. Yeah. Oh, of course. Well. Yeah. Um, so the Japan- uh, uh, So let's get into the story. So like I said, there's three campaigns. The first campaign focuses on Lynn, um, who is a swordswoman living as a nomad on the plains of Sakai. Um, and this is introduced as a faction in Binding Blade, but never really explored. And you can see Lynn on image 11. Um, Lynn, in her campaign, learns that she is actually the heir to another Marquess. And in the process of returning to her kingdom, she is intact by invaders. And so she fights off the invading force and reclaims her throne. Um, the really the only like connecting through line here is at one point she rescues a bard named Nils, who later turns out to be a half dragon. Ah, classic. Cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was gonna joke, but classic is the right way to put that. Like classically, that is what happens yep. here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh so part two is Elliewood's campaign. Um, so one year later, Elliewood's father goes missing. Um, and again, this is 15 years prior to Binding Blade, so Elliewood is not the leader yet. He's just another dude. Um Elliewood, Elliewood enlists the help of his friend Hector, uh, of the nearby kingdom of Ostia. The two of them travel out. They amass an army, blah, 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 blah. They rescue another mysterious girl who turns out to be a half-dragon as well. <laughs> say, say it with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so images 12 and 13 are Ellie Wood and Hector, respectively. Ellie Wood um, is just Roy. He's just Absolutely different Roy. Just it's just Roy. different and, Roy. And imagine, like, and that's the thing, guys. Like, 
we knew none of this in 2003. Like when right. Kyle and I opened our copies of Fire Emblem for yeah. the GBA, we're like, yeah, Yay, I get to finally play as my favorite character, Roy. Who's Elliewood? Yeah. <laughs> like I assumed for a while it was yeah. just like a, a a localization thing. It was like, oh, Same. they changed his name to Elliewood. And I never trans- finished the game to learn what mattered. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because again, like these games are hard. I think I got to Hector's campaign, like like mission three of Hector's campaign, which is the third part. And I got like, I got this. decently far because I had the strategy guide. That would be yeah, like um, in on turn seven, four yeah. more bad things will show up and ruin your life. So be ready yeah, for because, that. And that's the thing. Like when we talk about difficulty, it's you could you could look at a battle and be like, well, I can like navigate this mm-hmm. right. But that's the thing is, Fire Emblem does this thing where like reinforcements come, or you might like you'll get baited into a trap, and all of a sudden like a bunch of dudes appear and just fucking kill you out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also shit like enemies can crit and one shot you based yep. on a bad roll of the dice. Like these these this is how this game these games work. Yep. And and battles take hours. Hours. It's so, yeah. like it's a commitment, especially mm-hmm. in this era in this era of the game in this era yeah which is why these were these all were always on handhelds because you yeah. could pause and you know yep. you'd have to like you do a couple turns while you're pooping and then like fuck, yep. ugh, <laughs> save it and save it and come back so uh so the three the elliwood and hector meet up with Linz. this is there is a little bit of a through line here and they learn the same group that she fought off in sakay is responsible for elliwood's father's disappearance that group is being led by a sorcerer named nurgle I definitely got to Nurgle. I remember mm-hmm. Nurgle. Do we have yeah, a picture yeah. of Nurgle? We don't, but you can go for it. Uh, Look it up. It's, the, right. it's just the gray cat from Garfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nurgle wants to use the two half-dragon kids to open a portal to lead dragons into a leap. Uh, the The party heads to burn and saves the antagonist from Binding Blade from, assassin, from an assassination attempt, which is kind of cool. This is the through line to show that this was a prequel. Um, this then leads the Queen of Burn to hand them the Blazing Blade Durandal and the Thunder Axe Armands to use against Nurgle. So the, there's the Binding Blade and then the Blazing Blade, which is Durandal, which they find, which Roy later finds in the in the older game. Um, together they fight off Nurgle and the dragons that he summoned. And in the epilogue, Elliewood and Hector are both made marquises of their respective kingdoms, and they introduce their children, Roy and Lil- Liliana, Lilina, to each other, who, like I said, will eventually marry and uh, uh, yep. lead Frey. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the third and final GBA game, Fire Emblem, The Sacred Stones. Um, so Sacred Stones was the first that was developed with the expectation that it would be released internationally. So now we're at the point where like they're just releasing all these games across yeah. uh, international or across the world it's a worldwide um, sensation now yeah that's right um so uh stone sacred stones introduced some mechanics that would soften the difficulty um like optional battles for grinding exp and money because one other thing i didn't mention is fire emblem you only fight in those scripted battles so you it's not like an rpg where you can just grind right yeah. like you have oh. you have like you only have so many turns where you could get stat increases and here's the thing like so when you level up your your units all like increase their stats stat increases are random yes oh interesting yeah, yeah. Oh boy so you can just like you could level up and just be fucked and yep. get like plus 1 in luck yep jeez <laughs> oh yeah and that's why that and again like that's what makes these games so hard you could do everything right and just like get bad rng Yep. It's like Mario like, oh. Party up in here. Right. Yeah, man. 
So Sacred Stones introduced grinding and said like, okay, well, you know, you, you can, can go do to some a, side an quests. Arena, and, uh, yeah, you go yeah. to an arena level, you know, get some higher numbers, whatever. Um, but still kept in permadeath and everything else. Um, another thing they added was the idea of branching class changes. So every character since the first game has classes and they can grow into new classes. But now what they do in more of the modern games is you have an archer. They can turn into a, a horse, like an archer that, or a, like a, uh, sorry, a ranger that rides a horse or like an assassin, which like, or a sniper rather, which like, yeah. has a bigger, bigger range. Which is like, so a, it's like a archer trade-offs. plus. Yeah. Yeah. Archer yeah. plus. Um, so the gimmick for Sacred Stones is you play as one of two protagonists and certain parts in the story, the game will branch out in different paths, kind of like Gaiden, but more. Um, so the story is uh, Sacred Stones takes place in another brand new continent called Magvel, which has not been revisited since. Magvel is comprised of six nations. And long ago, five of those six nations were each put in charge of one of the five Sacred Stones, which were used to seal away the Demon King for, uh, for, Mort- for Mortis following a 800-year-long war. The game begins when Graldo, one of those five nations, attacks Renai, which is home to royal siblings Ephraim and Erica, and they are shown in image 14. This game begins when when Noun attacks Noun, home of Noun and Noun. It's it's a fucking Mad Lib, y'all. Like, I swear to God. Wild. I, I did not realize all of these games had the exact same story. And this is about the point where I was like, you're, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So, I fully lost count. What game is this? Like what number? We are on number eight. Damn. We're not even F-E-8. halfway there. Wow. Damn. So after Renai falls, the two siblings are separated and each go about their way, building a resistance against Geraldo, building fighting bandits and building armies along the way. <laughs> Um, as they do this, they learn that Graldo intends to take the remaining stones and resurrect the Demon King. This is because the leader of Graldo, Prince Leon, or Lion, has become a puppet at the will of Formortis, who was released upon his using Graldo's stones to attempt to resurrect his dead father. Doesn't really matter. Erica and Ephraim gather up what remaining stones are left and then confronts, confront Lion, who, of course, successfully resurrects Formortis. So uh, the, t- the twins learn that the sacred stones were inside <laughs> them all along. There it is. We are the and, sacred stones. Good. Yep. And then they seal Formortis up, even though they only have like two sacred stones. Doesn't matter. So that's sacred stones. We've got two more console games, which are the, the Radiant series. Which uh, yep. You Matt, earlier, Matt, you asked, like, you said, oh, this is the double dash. This is the double dash. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, this, is, so, um, this is Ike's series. This is Ike. So Fire Emblem Path of Radiance came out for the GameCube in 2005. Um, this was Fire Emblem's first foray into 3D and the first console entry since Thracia back on the Super Famicom. Uh, so Fire Emblem was never on the N64 in US or Japan. Um, along with the 3D, it was also a first for animated cutscenes with full video and voice acting. Uh, unfortunately, due to rush development and a bunch of weird mechanics, like they did this thing with like unit biorhythm, where it was just like if they were feeling anxious, they would perform bad. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. That sucks. Uh, Adam, I have anxiety put, in real life. I don't need it in my games. They put they put nope. some Tamagotchi in your Fire Emblem. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so because of a bunch of things, Path of Radiance was even less successful than Thracia was in Japan. Um, also, being on the GameCube didn't help. See also Double Dash. Yeah. Um, uh, patron of this episode, Derek Harper, 
loved this game. He it might have might have been the first one he he beat. I think he I beat do not this. like these games. He <laughs> loves this game. Yeah, and I think it I beat it. I on had the this GameCube. one, and I don't remember getting past like four I, missions. I did not play a lot of it, but Derek, yeah, sure I, did. I dipped. I dipped out pretty quick. Yeah, but it's. I mean, there are people that love it, and this is actually so. Like Matt, this may be for you. This is one of the biggest. Like when you talk about GameCube collectors' items, a copy of Path of Radiance will net you a couple bucks. Huh. Okay, got it. So Path of Radiance takes place in, in another new setting called Tilius. Um, this world is comprised of two sentient races, the humanoid uh, Baroque or Baorks, humans, and the shape-shifting Laguz. Laguz? <laughs> L-A-G-U-Z, Laguz, I guess. The two races coexist in this kind of tenuous harmony um, across the seven nations of Tilius. Path of Radiance stars Ike, our first non-royal protagonist and member of the Grail Mercenaries, and hey, Image 15, it's Ike from Smash. It's hey, Ike. I know that guy too. It's Ike. Yeah, you sure do. Ike and his friends are hanging out, finding bandits until, until you guessed it, a neighboring nation named Dayan invades his home state of Crimea. Crimea. He lives in Crimea and he's annexed. <laughs> it doesn't feel right. It feels that it's a little differently here in 2022. Yeah, sure does. I literally was writing this and I was like, was this motherfucker annexed from Crimea? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> feels bad. Ike and his band of mercenaries find the Crimean princess, Ilincia, who is lying unconscious in a forest, and together they are forced to flee to the Laguz nation of Gallia. Um, Ike and his friends then begin to fight their fight against the series' <laughs> most deadly enemy yet, underlying racial tension. Uh, I mean, wow. it, well, mm -hmm. it's, it's a different kind of bad, aside from an undead yep. dragon being brought back to in life. In addition to the annexation of Crimea, Path of Radiance <laughs> deals with genocide and racial tensions and uh, white privilege. Wow. All, huh. all these buzzwords still relevant 12 <laughs> years later. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Um, yeah, I hate it too. Um, I don't like these games. Uh, Ike, <laughs> Ike and the Crimean princess help to broker an alliance against <laughs> Dane uh, between the resisting... Bayork nations and the Laguz tribes who were, like I said, brutally genocided by their ancestors in ages past. As these things tend to go, it's revealed that Dane is attempting to release the dark deity sealed within Lairun's medallion. Lairun's medallion is Tellius's version of the Fire Emblem. Ah, uh, ding. Um, dang. <laughs> yeah. But Ike and the rest of the Grail mercenaries stop their leader from doing that. And after the battle, Elincia is crowned queen of Crimea and dedicates herself to building peace between the two races. And that dovetails directly into Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn, which was released for the Wii in 2008. Radiant Dawn is a direct sequel to Path of Resistance, or sorry, Path, Path of, of Radiance. Radiance. You? And the game even allows you to transfer over save data, which is kind of cool, oh. like a Mass Effect huh. 2 thing. Um, physical, like I said, physical copies of Radiant Dawn and Path of Radiance are both worth a ton to collectors. This is another one. Um, Radiant Dawn changed up the support system again, where units no longer had. So I mentioned before, like certain units were had these like pre-designated levels because they wrote the all of the copy for them, right? Yeah. Um, in, yeah. Pa in Radiant Dawn, they got rid of all that and they just said, "Yeah, you can just support with whomever." But because of that, they they shortcutted it and just wrote like little Mad Libs for people. So it was like, hello, fellow soldier. How are you today? <laughs> Great. And people fucking hated it. 
Cool. <laughs> that's what because support conversations are like half the reason why you play. Fire yeah, Emblem. it's the yeah. anime. It's the an, the really anime side of the game. Yeah. Like it's the anime side of the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, this also had some challenges. So, did your brother play this one? Did you guys play this one? Kyle? He Do you if it, if he played it, I'm not sure. I dropped sure. off of gaming for about a year and a half because I left for college. And yeah, um, this and this was my dark my- period. And by that, I mean the only I only played Guitar Hero and Halo. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, right? I I yeah. hit that same period in college two years later. Like mm-hmm. once the fun of being a freshman wore off, I exactly. But right. I but I missed this. Yes. Yeah. So there was a weird thing with a translation error. So th- this one got sh- got terrible reviews because um, so most Fire Emblem games have normal, hard, and insane or like insidious or whatever, yeah. like punish me, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and and for whatever reason, there was a weird translation error that they that changed the difficulties to easy, normal, and hard. Okay. So everybody who chose normal didn't realize they were actually playing it on hard mode. Yeah, it's like Ameri- a reverse American, Mega Man 2. American Ego wouldn't allow anyone to start from easy, so right, they all right. started on yeah. actually hard mode. And Exactly. Oh, yeah. I see. So everybody playing this, like everybody reviewing this was like, why is this game so fucking hard? <laughs> it was not intended to be played that way the first run through. Because that's the other thing. Fire Emblem games, like you don't play on hard the first run through. Because right. you have to know who does what and like how to grow your team and who meets matches with who like hard is for your second playthrough. Yeah. So obviously this game sold even worse than path of radiance and it's failure put, put fire emblem in critical condition. Um, basically intelligence systems or Nintendo was like, yo, like, you can't do consoles anymore. You got to go back to, you got to go back to hand. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. We can't, we can't keep per- doing personal this. development plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Fire Emblem, since 2008, Fire Emblem would not appear on console again until Three Houses a couple years ago. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yep. So the story, also the story of Radiant Dawn is honestly dumb. Um, I, I <laughs> Even writing it, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so after following Path of Radiance, uh, you've got Dane or Diane, D-A-E-I-N. It's just a bunch of battles. Dane. Dane, yeah. Dane is left without a leader. Um, so Dane is taken over and annexed by another bordering nation, the Begneon Empire. Um, a group of resistance fighters within Dane, calling themselves the Dawn Brigade, emerge and are led by protagonist Micaiah. So this is our second female protagonist, second from Celica. And that's image 16. Uh, third-ish, if you count Lynn, but yeah. Oh, yeah, Lynn. Okay, Lynn counts. Lynn counts. That's three. You're right. You're right. Um, Makai is also our first magic user protagonist. So until that point, uh, it's always been sword melee okay, characters, sword, cool. sword boys and axe sword boys. boys. Yeah. Yeah. So Makai is our first mage um, mage protagonist, which is kind of neat. Um, Makai and her team travel across Dane, fighting back against the Begneon invaders, liberating soldiers, yada, yada, yada. Um, during this whole time, they come across the rightful heir to Dane's throne, Prince Peleus whose scheming assistant tricks him into signing an agreement that will make a bunch of Dane citizens explode by way of this literal blood blood pact. What? Okay. Unsure, unclear why, but this blood pact that he signed will make a bunch of people explode at some point once triggered. Whack. Okay. That, it sounds like the plot to a bad rock opera. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. You've got a real South Park episode where uh, that guy's brother sings the high note and everybody explodes. <laughs> I mean, kind of, yeah. 
So, meanwhile, there's an insur- insurgency in Crimea. Remember Crimea from, not from the news, but from <laughs> the last game? Um, uh, there's an insurgency that, that culminates with an attack on the palace. But fortunately, Ike and his grail mercenaries appear to save the day. And, uh, and after that, the Lagus Alliance, which is now the collection of all the... Did I mention the Lagus are shapeshifters? They're just different animal people. Like oh, there's a okay. there's a bird I there's a did there's remem- a birdman. I do remember that from when I, the little bit the, I yeah, played. There's there's a birdman nation and a wolf, like man a wolf nation. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So they so the Lagos Alliance hires Grail and informs Ike that Begnion is basically doing a World War One, but instead of assassinating Archduke Ferdinand, they're framing a shape shifting birdman. Oh, huh. <laughs> it's really a one to one. Pretty much, you just, just exchange. <laughs> Little known fact about Archduke Ferdinand. <laughs> Birdman, Archduke Birdman Ferdinand. Uh, yeah, um, that's what they called him. So this is when you said the Fire Emblem is a song. That's this game. So Mikhail, I never, I never said that, and no one ever said that. And we Kyle said say, that. No, I said that I, in yeah, the Fire Emblem episode where I'm I destroy you, the world with dragons. <laughs> there's, I'm telling you for a there's fact, no there's, war in set. Yeah, there is no game where <laughs> yeah. the Fire Emblem is a song. So what happens is Micaiah sings into the medallion, the medallion that I mentioned in the last. And I don't know why, but do, her doing that summons Yune, who is considered to be the dark god of chaos. <sighs> and is also a dragon? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's so, a surprise to me. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for that to be the a answer. Twist. A, wasn't expecting. a twist, he says. So Yune, <laughs> Yune reveals that they aren't actually evil, just pure chaos. Like Kirby, <laughs> so. I've I've seen that like justification pop up from time to time that like chaos isn't evil, and in this case, yeah. it's going to be the protagonist because too much order is also yeah. bad. Well, that's what happens. So much like Kirby, Yune takes over, just straight up takes over Makai's body. Um, much like Kirby, you, yeah. Much like Kirby. <laughs> Remember um, when Kirby but, did that? Yeah, but Yune being summoned also causes the 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 yang to Yune's yin. Um, which is the god of order, Ashera, to appear. And Ashera basically says, you guys suck, I'm going to petrify everybody, and just turns everybody to stone, aside from all of the half-breed Lagoos and the main characters. <laughs> nice. Convenient. Okay. Yep. So Ike, Micaiah, Yune, and the rest of the band confront Ashera in the Tower of Guidance, and a bunch of people reveal that they're actually other people, and honestly, I stopped here. <laughs> I couldn't anymore with this one. God dies, and the other god restores peace and credits. Move on. This one sucks. What do you um, think the song is that that Micaiah sings into the, the Fire Emblem? It's the, it's the Super Smash Bros. theme. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> Because the only plot go. song I can think of is South Park's Imagination Land summoning song. <laughs> Imagination. So, <laughs> pretty All right, so um, we're going to cut to break here in just a second. Uh, before we do that, I'm going to talk a little bit about the DS. There are no actual mainline games on the DS, just remakes. Um, so this was really like... Fire em- intelligence system. Just to know the history, intelligence systems was like, "Fuck, we gotta like do something here." So intelligence systems was like, "Let's remake the original for an international audience." So in two thousand nine, they released Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, just Shadow Dragon, um, which right. was which w- to the into the DS for all audiences, and this was a remake. Um, it basically is like it pulled. It's just the original story with Marth, 
but like pulling in the weapons triangles and and skills and class changes and all that stuff from the modern games, except for supports. And do you know the one thing that Fire Emblem fans like? It's supports. It's supports. And they fucking hated this game. There he is. Kyle has right. <laughs> Kyle just pulled up his copy of Shadow Dragon. I have my cartridge. Yeah. And this this game, I played most of this game. It's fine. It's very okay. It's mechanically fine, technically fine, but has no supports, and it's just like kind of whatever. I the biggest criticism I remember of it was it was like a little dry, like yeah, it's kind dry of because a return the story because the story was written in 1999 and yeah, is a return a return to form after the GameCube ones, but a little dry, yeah. which yep. was yeah. And then the other DS game was another remake called New Mystery of the Emblem, and just like Shadow Dragon before it, this was a remake of the Famicom's Mystery of the Emblem, but this was only released in Japan for whatever reason. So we still have never gotten Mystery of the, of the Emblem. Um, this also included the Satella View uh, episodes and brought back supports, but reception for this one was still pretty um, lukewarm. The only other thing I'll say for this was this game introduced a, a mechanic called My Unit, which was an, a player-controlled avatar, a self-insert, if you will. Oh, yeah. So you could <laughs> customize your avatar and kind of play in the in the FE world. And it's like that Sonic game where you make your own Sonic it's character. It's like that Sonic game. It's Sonic character. Yes. So I'm, we're going to cut to break, but at this point, just to kind of set the scene, Nintendo was like done with Fire Emblem. That's this was insane. Like, what, what, mm-hmm. Not realizing that no new releases came out on the DS is insane yep. to me. Like it's that's how wild. bad the GameCube killed the brand for a minute because yeah. the DS is like the highest selling gaming system ever. It's wild. And there were two DS games, Advance Wars games on yes. DS, and they did fine. Yes. Um, like, this is the highest selling system mm-hmm. ever, and they didn't put out a new entry yep. for this They didn't franchise put out a new entry. They were, Nintendo was done with this thing. Yeah. And the only thing breathing life into it was Brawl came out and, you know, hyped up Ike. That's about it. Um, so, basically, Intelligent Systems, they were like, they went to Intelligent Systems and were like, look, dog, like, you get one, <laughs> you get one more. Like you get one more, and we are putting the kibosh on thing. We're putting this in the Metroid bin, baby. <laughs> oh no, not the Metroid <laughs> the, bin. I think yeah. the more accurate is the um, um, oh, uh, Captain I, Falcon series. F Zero bin. I was going to say the Star Fox bin. That's actually a pretty big bin at Nintendo. There's a lot of things in that bin. The deep. So when we when we cut when we come back from break, we're going to talk about the. Rebirth or Awakening of Fire Emblem. You stop it. You bad. You're a bad man. These movies are hot. My name is T2756. Would you like to have sex with me now for money? You know what? Honestly, cool. These movies are bloody. It's feeling a lot braver before I knew there was going to be murder and then threats of murder. Oh, yeah. I mean, you didn't think you could go to Texas Instruments without murdering someone, did you? Ah! These movies are audio only. Worst Movies Ever Played is back with three new VHS movies for your ears. Anything can happen in this actual play RPG podcast. And we mean anything. What did you build that went so poorly a while back? Oh, I tried to build a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it also became a libertarian. Those words of freedom do not beg for it. They simply take it. Oh, this is a super bummer. Subscribe to Worst Movies Ever Played wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so before we went to break, 
talked about basically Fire Emblem was like on its la- on its deathbed. Uh, so intelligence systems was told like again you you guys have one more chance. Um, otherwise we're we're shutting this whole thing down. We're going the way of of Captain Falcon. So <laughs> Animal <laughs> House has one more one more chance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're put on double secret probation. We have one last party it's coming for you. So. Intelligence systems put together a who's who of, of Fire Emblem devs for literally for like one last job. Um, <laughs> during the during, I mean, it, it, we it's need really to come fun. out for one last. God, one last I love mission. that so they much. Did the, they did the commando thing. Matt, they showed out. They Matt, showed up they, in the middle of the forest with they nailed Schwarzenegger. It. Like, yeah. yeah, they did. They it. fucking nailed it. God, Fire Emblem Waking is so fucking good. It, I love this game. If, love it. If you are at all curious, like we'll get into it. But if you are at all curious of playing this series. Awakening is like the easiest place to start. Yep. And Matt, you can buy it on the 3DS for one more day before the eShop yeah, right? shuts down. <laughs> yeah. That's why like, I, I'm just downloading a bunch of shit before mm-hmm. it shuts down. Anyway, so the story behind Awakening's development is really cool too. too. Um, I'll just give you a couple highlights. So um, they, like I said, they, they threw, they basically were like, let's boil this thing down to its core mechanics. Like, what do people like about Fire Emblem? Because at this point too, this, the series was very stale. All of those GBA games, like they hadn't changed anything. So they they took this thing. The and GBA they, and was was the old formula made yeah made, made American basically they, made American they, yeah. yeah that was the biggest change of the series for years. So they really like they stripped everything down all the parts down and were like what works what doesn't. Um, there's also some funny things like apparently they considered making like a modern like like a persona like in modern Tokyo. Oh, they that also, would be so right? rad though. They, they also almost did Fire Emblem Awakening in space. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah like literally almost happened but then they decided like no let's do let's make this a celebration of fire emblem's mm-hmm. history so that's what they did so it really like awakening is kind of an amalgamation of all it's of a, the best of fire emblem it's a best of yeah it's a best of um so and and with that you get they brought back the supports um support structure in full because it was gone with the ds games but not only did they bring supports, they brought back the marriage and kid mechanic from genealogy, which people loved. Because we yep. need that child back, army. They, we need that child army, baby. Todd, um, we need wife, waifus and husbandos. Is, and is they, and most is. importantly, they made it horny. They there made it, it really horny. Is it, I was is it waiting for the turn to come. Is it pronounced husbandos or husbandos? Because in I've, my mind, I've it's husbandos. I've always said husbandos. And and boy howdy, the protagonist of this game is the is the archetypical husbando. <laughs> so uh, we've got weapon triangles are here. We've got branching promotions, class swapping, combat supports. Um, they brought back the my unit avatar in a big way. Um, but we've also got ways to to and this is the most probably one of the more important things is this game is accessible because they finally figured out the difficulty. So so they introduced two things. One, they introduced casual mode. Which ah, any casual is. mode? Casual mode is cons- is one of the more um, debated topics. Controversial of the changes. Yes. Uh huh. Casual mode turns off permadeath, which yeah. I I I am a big casual mode stand because I hate spending an hour on a battle just to get somebody killed by a, a shitty crit one shot by in a the crit. last in the last in the last fight yeah in the last round. So I'm fine with it, but not only that. You could also pick the difficulty and do casual and classic. Yeah. So you you could really have this sliding scale of difficulty. Yeah. So if you wanted to just experience the story, you can. If you want the punishing Fire Emblem experience, you can have that too. Everybody gets what they want. Um, the developers also took advantage of the new 3DS hardware. This came out in 3DS. This was one of the 
probably one of the most successful 3ds games yeah um uh if that isn't pokemon or new super mario bros yeah um and and they they farmed out for these beautifully designed like 3d anime cutscenes. kyle's showing it here i got my um, got my card my card um, for this one too and it and it's also got full voice acting uh featuring matt mercer and lar bailey from critical role oh, wow. yeah. yeah those are mm-hmm. big names for a those are big names they weren't at the game. time but they yeah, are this is 2013 <laughs> yeah um and Who they also Matt mercer play uh he's crumb okay oh okay and yeah lara lara bailey's lucina uh, so they they beefed up all the customization options and and they also included like cinematic camera views and dynamic music. So mm-hmm. you'd hear like the level music, but when you go into a battle, it's like dun, 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 dun. and it's like it's it, there's a dyna- it's a dynamic like fight version of it. It's really cool. Makes it very cin- much, a lot more cinematic. Very. Um, this is a very cinematic game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Awakening was Nintendo's first, for, first foray into paid DLC in Japan. First game ever that would have paid DLC. Again, this 2002, 2012 in Japan. By the time we got Awakening, um, they had already done New Super Mario Bros. 2, paid DLC, and a couple other ones. But still, like very early on, very early strategy for paid DLC. So the the whole thing with Awakening, in order to keep the franchise alive, Awakening would have had to sell 250 copies in Japan. It did that in a week. Nice. Um, the success... <laughs> 250,000. 250,000. <laughs> yeah. It sold that in a week. Um, its success internationally blew through the ceiling of expectations. There hadn't been, to this point, a, not a single Fire Emblem game had sold over a million copies, not even like, wow. the, like the GBA one. Um, Awakening, to, the, to date, has sold over 2.5 million copies. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and got near-perfect review scores. Um, so it, again, incredibly successful, just complete, like this is the breath of the wild of fire. Emblem. Yep. So awakening returns us to the world of Arcanea, which is, was, was Mars world, but is set 2000, 2000 years after fire emblem one. So it's no longer called Arcanea. This land is called Elise. Y L I S S E. I've never said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's Elise. Maybe let's say Elise. Um, it expounds on Arcanea's creation myth about the dragon god Naga. So dragon god Naga is like a, is the Bahamut of this world, the, the good dragon god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Naga created Falchion and the Fire Emblem. And uh, it was Naga who chose an era, uh, hero in ancient times to wield Falchion and take down the ancient fell dragon Grima, or T- who's like our Tiamat. So we've yeah. got good dragon, bad dragon. Um, Yelise is split between the Haladom of Yelise, who worships the good dragon Naga, and the kingdom of Plagia, who worships the bad dragon Grima. I love that there are, is, is a whole nation that worships <laughs> the evil dragon. The evil dragon. <laughs> like, and yeah. at no point is anyone in the, in the lower and, ranks like. And if you look at any character portraits, they all they this? all they all look like yes, They're, like they all oh. look like villains. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's very great. Um, the two nations had had been locked in a bitter war until about 15 years prior. Um, so the Haladom of Ulysses is ruled by Exalt Emerin, whose brother is her kind of like her enforcer and our primary protagonist, Krom. Hey uh, guys, it's Krom from Smash. Hey, it's I know Krom. that guy. <laughs> Image 17 is Krom from Smash. What's up with Krom's boots? What do you mean? He's got two different one one's shadowy. Todd. Oh, he no, do have two different boots. He yeah, one's in shadow. Well, no, Just one's like very field. white. He can't oh. tell his left from his right, Todd, so he wears yeah. mismatched boots he, so he knows which he gets, one is which. 
he gets a lot of leg sweeps on his left leg exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. It, well, he was riding his bicycle and he didn't want the right leg to get caught in the chain. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, one day, Crom meets a mysterious man slash woman in a forest who calls <laughs> themselves Robin. Robin is the avatar of the player and can be made male or female and can be just whatever class you want them to be. They can look however you want them to look. Robin has amnesia because, of course, they do. Image 18, so so hey, that that's you can r- map any personality traits you need to onto Robin. Yourself yes. insert. Yeah. Image 18, hey, it's Robin from Smash. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> hey, I know going. that them. <laughs> that's right. You know that, that, that they them. Um, so Robin is the next iteration of the my unit avatar feature. And the the avatar feature is is how all of the modern fire emblem games play so instead of playing instead of playing a nameless like strategist you yeah. actually play as an avatar that like hangs out and gets to bang all of the characters who is, who is, is. like still the primary strategist like they talk yeah, to you yeah. as like they yeah, talk it's to weird. your character as it's, like it's very hand wavy because it's good like job Robin leading us through that fight, Robin. Yeah, it's like Robin, yeah. tell us where to go. But like Robin is like on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Um, and also, Robin so, wants to bone everyone. Oh, my Robin boned down hard on Krom. <laughs> oh, they 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 went to Bone Zone like fucking immediately. <laughs> um, so Krom and Krom and Robin and his gang of hired guns that he calls the Shepherds. Um, go around saving villages that are being ransacked by zombies, you know, as you do, um, until they are informed of an assassination attempt on the Exarch. Uh, ex- not the Exarch. Uh, <laughs> Exalt Emerin. <laughs> it's a different different fictional on, property. On, on Krom's sister. So Krom, Robin, and their team go to intervene. Um, they, along with Emerin, are saved by a mysterious swordsman who calls themselves Marth. Hmm. Ah. And everyone says, that's impossible. Marth died. The god 2000, king Marth died 2,000 years, years ago. ago. Um, Marth also claims that they could see the future. So. Neat. Neat. Um, later, Plagian forces kidnapped Emer- kidnap Emerin while she is in their borders on a diplomatic mission, um, trying to prevent yet another war. Um, Plagian's leader, Gangrel, tells Krom to hand over the Fire Emblem in exchange for his sister's life because the Fire Emblem is something that their family has. Krom is about to agree in, um, when Emerin leaps off of a cliff and thus begins Krom's campaign against Plagia. That legit, like, like that I was mouth agape when, yeah. that scene, when I got to that scene. Yeah, that was so sad. good. Yeah, and, and it's a, it's a full cut scene, so you get to like you can see like all the you know all the stuff happen. It's it's really cool. Um, so much like a lot of these games, there's a part one, part two. Part one ends with Krom and the Shepherds defeating Gangrel and restoring peace. Like basically, like they do it, they do the thing. Um, Krom marries one of the female units, and they have a baby girl that they name Lucina. Ding, mm. ding. So that's so. This is kind of so. This brings back. Remember, I said this brought back the family aspect. So, um, in part one, well, in this game, uh, there's a time skip. Um, there's a, there's a time skip. It's not actually a time skip. I'll explain in a bit. Really, uh, what you need to understand is all of the units that you get in part one um, can bang each other. Yep, of course. Um, and you play as your avatar, Robin, can be male or female, and you can bang anybody you want. Um, 
the the thing about Fire Emblem and they're they're getting a little bit better about it. It was very anti-gay. It's so very it's like very heteronormative. It's very which, he, very sure. heteronormative. It's, it's Japan, like yeah. that's which is that's a Japanese a, thing. That's a hard they, bridge for them to cross. Three houses breach that. Some not enough in my opinion, but some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still, at this point, it's like male and female only. Um, I played female Robin and boned down on Crom. Um, Crom though, so Crom is basically Marth, right? Like, he is kind of the embodiment of Marth. He's yeah. kind of Marth reincarnate. He's got blue hair, he's got the sword, he's got Faustian, right? And he, his canon marriage is to, and they what they did was a lot of the original units are recreations of the units from yeah. the first Fire Emblem. Yep. So you get, like, there's Cain and Abel who are the red-headed knight and the green-haired knight. Mm. Uh, you get a, red, a red-headed knight and a green-headed knight. Um, you also get a frail Pegasus knight yep. who, instead of Kata, is um, I forget her name. I don't know um, any of the she's, names. I'm I not forget, gonna... <laughs> but she's also Crom's like canon love interest. So oh, they, okay. They they bring back a lot of things from the original Fire Emblem. Hmm. Um, so part two, then we get a little bit of a time skip. It's two years later. Um, so part two, part two starts two years later. A new invader appears in the form of Emperor Valhart from the neighboring Valm. Um, this Marth character appeals, appears again to Krom and reveals that she's actually Krom's daughter from a future where Grima was resurrected. She explains that she used the good dragon god Naga, Naga's magic to bring her and her team back to this timeline to prevent Grima's resurrection. That sounds very weird and Back to the Futurey, but it's, like it's actually it's, really uh, touching. Trunks. It's Trunks. She's Trunks. Hmm. Yeah, she's she's future Trunks. Yeah, but it's actually really touching because she explains that Crom died in her timeline, and like she's meeting Crom for the first time, which is like oh. yeah, yeah, that yeah. is. Um, We're doing image a flashpoints, ni- huh? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's a flashpoint. It's a flashpoint. Um, image, it's a DBZ, image nineteen. Yeah. Image nineteen is Lucina from Smash. Oh hey, <laughs> I know that girl. <laughs> so that's Crom's daughter, Lucina, who comes back in time, does the trunks, comes back in time as an adult. and uh, But this is where the genealogy child mechanic comes back because Lucina, much like Selif in genealogy, Lucina leads runs a band of children from Krom's team, basically. Oh, so okay. you pair up you pair up Krom's team and then once you once you reach S rank supports with with either like any unit, they immediately fall in love, and then their child falls through a time distortion portal in a side quest. <laughs> All right, and you get to and you get to you get to recruit, recruit them. Yeah, yeah. I think it's this great. was the exact plot of one of the new like 2017 era Terminator movies, but I'm not probably. sure. That probably, that probably, yeah. Um, so in order to save Ulysse, uh, Krom has to collect the five gems to set in the Fire Emblem and perform the Awakening to acquire Naga's power. Do you guys remember what the Fire Emblem does? It, it summons dragon? the dragon it's apocalypse. Dragon. It summons Tiki, the dragon. So that's what they do. Yep. Um, together, they collect the gems, but while they're getting the fifth one, the new ruler of Plagia named Validar reveals the plan all along uh, he reveals that. Remember how I said Robin is uh, amnesiac. Mm-hmm. Well, P- Validar reveals that Robin is uh, Validar's child, and more importantly, Robin was created to be the vessel for Grima because oh. we gotta resurrect an ancient dragon god. Yeah. Okay. All right. I did not. I did not get this far. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm spoiling. No, you're fine. <laughs> so it's a it's a ten year old game. Yeah, so Validar takes control of Robin to forcibly hand him the completed Fire Emblem, 
And Lucina pieces together at this point that Robin was in fact the one who killed her Crom in her timeline. Oh. And and so I mentioned so this is where this branches off a little bit because my Robin married Crom, but if you're playing male Robin, you can't marry Crom. And and I think male Robin in this game is canon Robin. Yeah. So Lucina tries to kill Robin, but she can't kill Robin if Robin is her mother. It's very cool. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. So I never saw this. Um, regardless, Crom intervenes either way, so like she doesn't kill Robin. But because of this whole Lucina bit, Robin basically is able to like play it off like she's under Validar's control. But they do a Back to the Future three where she reveals that she had a plate under her chest the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hopefully, somebody got that right. Yep, that was yep, for me. I'm yep. there. Good. I got gotcha. you. So, so I'm looking Krom, up two other things while I'm gotcha. doing this. But so yeah. Krom successfully summons Naga um, by way of Tiki, who tells him that she can only pause Grima's awakening for another 1,000 years. In order to truly end this, Robin has to deal the finishing blow, which will likely kill them in the process. So in the final battle against Grima, you face off against the dragon, and you, the player, can decide who kills Grima, and if Krom kills Grima, you keep Robin alive, but you perpetuate the cycle. But if Robin kills Grima, Robin dies. Oh, hmm. interesting. Yeah. Except they don't. Well, right. Well, now. Sure. Do you know, so, yeah. Andrew, who the canon pairing with Robin is? Uh, is Lucina. there one? It it's is Lucina. Lucina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, Awakening fucking rips. Like I yeah. love it. I love it. Love yeah. it. I'm I'm gonna fire it up as soon as we're done here um, tonight. Okay, we got two more big ones to talk about. Uh, we've got Fire Emblem Fates, which was the next 3DS title. It came out in 2015. So, following up the massive success of Awakening, um, Nintendo wanted uh, Nintendo Intelligence Systems were like, okay, how do we do that? How do we recapture this lightning, but also make it like more narrative <laughs> focused? Um, so, basically, the the kind of the the goal, the idea here was give the player the choice the choice to side with the light, side with the dark or kind of take a neutral path. So this idea yeah. of these three branching paths. So Intelligence Systems got to work immediately after Awakening released. Um, again, they like basically kept all of the, the, the engine. They kept the mechanical differences. They really just focused on narrative story. Um, Fates also did the Pokemon thing and sold the game under two full retail versions. So Fates is available under either Conquest or Birthright. I um, have birthright and i have conquest nice. uh so conquest you guys can trade um, to get each other's caterpie or yeah, wheels. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah yep. exactly mm-hmm. to get our to get our our boob caterpies <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh conquest has you aligning with the western nor empire and birthright has you aligning with the eastern kingdom of a hoshido but unlike pokemon they're not the same game no they're completely different games yeah. and you're actually supposed to play both paths yeah which then gets us to the third path, which is called Revelation. Oh. In which Corin, main character, doesn't ally with either and instead goes it on her own way. And it's basically the end story of Sonic Adventure 2. It's like after you've done Light and Dark, you get right. the real oh. ending. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I said, Fates uses the same engine. It brings all the same stuff as Awakening. Even brings back the the genealogy stuff, the, the, the kids thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it brought in the only real like new, new gameplay thing is it brings in uh, brought in my castle, which is like it kind of allows you to like build and customize a home base. So it's like your your interactive menu. It's fine. The original Japanese version also had this cringy petting mechanic. Um, Ew! What? Do you 
Yeah. Uh, do you remember Poke Poke Ami from X and Y? Yeah. You use the stylus to pet your Pokemon. Yep. Yeah. The the Japanese version of Fates had that, but with people. You could have just said Nintendo Dogs. Yeah. No, I guess Nintendo. Could have said Nintendo Dogs, but but I, I mean, understood what he meant. Me, so still it makes worked. me mad. Whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. Real, I love it. That's real upsetting. Yeah. Fortunately, it doesn't exist in our version because uh, Fates definitely has the. Um, thousand-year-old mm-hmm. dragon in a ten-year-old uh, girl yeah. body Fate, character. Fates is, um, Fates is Defo the horniest one. Yeah. So uh, Yikes. this game sold even better than Awakening with a whopping three million copies. Wow. Now, to be fair, part of that might be the fact that you need to buy three physical copies to okay, finish yeah. this game. Yeah. 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 But still, like it did very well. Um. So I'll go through quickly go through the story. So Fates takes place on a new continent. Uh, that is home to two warring nations. Like I said, the feudal Japan-themed Kingdom of Hoshido and the Roman-themed Nor Empire. Um, birthright is Hoshido. Conquest is Nor. Hoshido is good. Nor is bad. I'm air quotes quoting there. Yeah. Um, all three games, though, begin the same. And Re- oh, Revelation has you going neutral, which we'll talk about. Um, all three games begin the same. You play as Corin, one of the five children of King Garan of the Norian Empire. Corin is just like Robin in Awakening in that they can be male, female, or whatever. Image 20, hey, it's Corin from Smash. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know them. You know them. I'm, I'm uh, almost burnt out on this joke now. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got one more. I got one more. Corin is sent by King Gar- Garen to investigate a small outpost on the Nor-Hashido border and is gifted a magical sword to defend themselves. But during this routine mission, Corin is betrayed by a hired mercenary and thrown into a deep canyon. Corrin wakes up behind enemy lines in the custody of Hoshido. Um, Hoshido, though, strangely enough, doesn't kill or even imprison Corrin. Instead, they're taken to the Hoshidan queen who reveals to Corrin that they're their long-lost child that was abducted by King Garen long, long ago during a diplomatic mission, and they're very young. Corrin's Loki. Oh, okay. yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, Hoshidan queen asks Corrin if they will stay and reconnect with their lost family, and Corin is torn as they have they still have four very real siblings back home in Nor, which they think they belong to. Corin is Torin. Corin is Torin. Torin. Uh-huh. Um, while Corin is in Hoshido's capital, the sword that King Garen gifted them explodes, um, which is triggered by some magical assassin. Fine, and the sword kills the queen, and this ultimately sends Corin in a rage, and they transform into a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but Corin is eventually calmed down by this mysterious blue-haired woman named Azura. Um, Azura sings the main song from Fire Emblem Fates and reveals that Azura was actually abducted from Nor by Hoshido in response from Corin being taken from Hoshido. <laughs> cool. So we're cool. Do- we're doing a parent trap, I guess. Sure. Yep. <laughs> Um, so in retaliation, a battle ensues between the two families, and Corin has to choose who to side with. And this is the big birthright conquest revelation choice. So you could stay with Hoshido or go back to Nor. Um, if Corin sides with Hoshido, then Corin leads a campaign to slowly take over the Empire, fighting each of their named siblings along the way, some of which get spared, some of which are killed. Um, in the end, Corin and Hoshido make it to the Norian capital and, and face off against Gar- Garen, ultimately killing him. Um, Corrin takes the throne and the two nations broker peace. Um, if Corrin sides with Nor, Corrin works alongside their adoptive siblings to change Nor from within. Um, 
they discover that the King Garen sitting on the throne is actually an imposter and work together with uh, the other nobility to kill him. So okay. it's it's not the evil. It's not the yeah, good, not the bad story. run, but no, yeah. it is the good, bad run. Yeah. Um, all the while, they're actually fending attacks off from Hoshido. Um, it's revealed that a few of the Hoshidan, like nobility, are like in like in basically on running impos- in this. No, well, no, they're 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 um, they've been controlled by this like bloodlust, this insatiable bloodlust. Oh. So huh. Korn's forced to kill them, which of course like looks bad and you know. Sure. Whatever. Sure. Um, so at the end, Korn takes down the false Garen and reclaims the throne for um, their eldest brother. If Korin doesn't side with either Nor or Hushido, they're branded a traitor by both sides, by both sides, excuse me, and flee with Azura to the hidden dragon kingdom of Valia. There, Korin learns of the ancient dragon Anankos, who is the one that has replaced Garen as the false Garen and oh. is responsible for the Hoshidan prince's bloodlust. So Korin and Azura pulled together members of both sides to band together to for the greater good to fight off this big and dragon god threat. Stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> um, yeah, here this is the best part. So in do while doing so, Corin combines both families' legendary weapons because both families have legendary weapons. Together, all of their legendaries legendary weapons create the fire emblem that uh, is needed. Okay. <laughs> is needed okay. That is needed to slay Anankos. Um, Azura and Corin. Uh, along with their blood and adopted siblings, defeat the dragon god, and Corin is crowned the new ruler of Valia as they are revealed to be one of the draconic descendants of Valia. So that's Fates. Um, nice. After Fates came Shadows of Valencia, which was the last 3DS game, which is a remake of uh, Fire Emblem Gaiden. Um, so in this game, Alm and Celica got glow-ups, and uh, they basically... Um, brought back, they used the same story, but brought back a bunch of new mechanics, um, made it a modern fire emblem. Um, they also introduced a, re- a, a rewinding turn mechanic, which would later come back in three houses. So, yeah, um, that's a good, that's a good ad- addition. And another way to adjust difficulty. Mm-hmm. Is that like, forget what I did last yep. round? Yep. So it's well, rewinding no, it, individual yeah, turns. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, oops, I didn't want that to happen. So if you if you still like in the last turn get crit one shot, yeah. you can move your archer one space away so he doesn't get crit one shot. Yep. Gotcha. So here we are. We are at the last game. We're here, baby. Three houses. Fire Emblem Three Houses. Released on Switch in 2019. The most recent mainline Fire Emblem game and absolutely most successful in the series, having sold 3.4 million copies to date. Um, how far this series has gone from this like little dark horse fans only experiment to the, now this doesn't seem that impressive. It's the 29th highest selling switch game, but again, keep in mind fire for fire album. That's very good. Yeah. yeah I mean, top 30 is nothing to shake at either. Top 30 is nothing to shake at three houses has beat out the likes of among us, Metroid dread, Mario golf, super rush and a bunch of other ones. So like pretty good for the switch library. Um, and, and really good for a nuanced, tactical rpg with a very high skill floor yeah Um, and a lot of and a lot of anime bullshit a lot of anime bullshit (laughs) a lot of ancient dragon gods so intelligent systems actually pulled in koei tecmo who you may remember as the people that do dynasty warriors and all the muso games like hyrule warriors oh yes of course (laughs) yeah 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 Um, i totally remember all of that yeah yeah well i've played all of those fucking games Um, (laughs) koei koei tecmo actually wrote a lot of the scenarios for three houses which uh, surprise doesn't include well never mind um, 
Uh, Koei Tecmo had also had a stake in the game because Koei Tecmo at this time had released Fire Emblem Warriors also on the mm. Switch. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, intelligence system. Nope. Uh, Three Houses is... <laughs> so So Kyle said, like, Awakening is a good entry point. I would say Three Houses is definitely the most approachable Fire Emblem game, but it is so not a Fire Emblem game. Yeah. Is the thing. It's very good. I love Three Houses. I have 120 hours clocked in the so goddamn game. It's it's great. Um, you you have to do Matt. It, it has more, more menuing than Gross. most of the other more, ones. It's more menuing. It's Gross. a lot. Um, all all the stuff that stopped you from getting into uh, Monster Hunter, mm-hmm. Matt. It is in this. Yeah, like you got to run around and it's and, that stuff and yeah. shake hands and kiss babies it's, in between missions and it's not for me. It actually like pulls back a lot remember like in Gaiden where I was like oh they brought a lot of traditional yes. RPG mechanics a lot of that comes back in three houses in yes. a big way yeah mm, got um, it also three houses removed the iconic weapon triangle so weapon yep. triangle for oh, the first time was completely I, gone I did not love that yeah um, it also kept in the difficulty sliders casual mode classic mode um, also reintroduced that turn rewind so not only do you have like permadeath turn on and off you can rewind individual turns so that mm-hmm. that's why this is definitely the most approachable fire emblem game yeah. also just like you can grind you it also brought back grinding optional yeah. um, optional missions you can you can really overpower your units like by halfway through three houses you will be one shotting every single care enemy oh basically yeah. Um, so the gimmick with Three Houses is you play as a war, a war academy professor. Early on in the game, you select from one of three classes, each with their own individual, unique protagonist and team of units. Um, part one is essentially the same, uh, albeit with different characters. Part two is wildly different and branches based on which class you took you p- uh, picked from. The other major gimmick is that the game is split into the combat sections. And then the academy sections where you run around in a free mode and get items and um, sent give tea and yep. gifts to your anime characters, or whatever. It's like <laughs> like Danganronpa. Yeah, like Danganronpa. It's like Danganronpa, but everything you do like will tweak stats and yep. and um, you know, yeah, a, yeah I mean, um, like attraction and and all I that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's yep. it's like dating sim shit. Yep. So uh, Three Houses takes place in another new brand new continent named Fodlin where the three factions have risen and divided the area up in thirds. You've got the Adrestian Empire in the south. You've got the Kingdom of Fargus, the Holy Kingdom of Fargus in the mountains to the west, and the Lesser Alliance in the desert in the east. Um, you play as Byleth, a mercenary living off the land with their father, Geralt. Um, Byleth's path is a, path, past is a mystery, and their eyes are forever unblinking, and they feel <laughs> nothing. Um, image 21 is Byleth from Smash. Ding. Hey, it's Byleth Perfect. from hey, Smash. Yep. I know her. <laughs> <laughs> During a routine bandit routing, Byleth encounters three students at the nearby war school in the Garrig Mach Monastery. They are Edelgard von Herlsvelg, the eldest daughter of the Emperor of Adrestia, Claude von Regan, who is heir to the ruling house of the Lester Alliance, and Prince Dimitri Alexander Blaith of Far- Fargus. They are images 22, 23, and 24, respectively. I went with Claude in my in my playthrough that I started. I've done all three, but I started with Edelgard. I see. Um, I see. Byleth, uh, Edelgard is my queen forever and always. Uh, Byleth and Geralt save the royals, and together they all head to Garrig Mach, where Byleth is immediately handed a job as a war professor by the imposing head of the church. <laughs> Perfect. As you do. Um, the head of the church, Arch- Archbishop Rhea. 
Byleth is instructed to choose to lead one of the three classes, each corresponding to one of Fodlin's three factions. So you've got the Black Eagles, who represent Adrestia, the Golden Deer, who represent uh, Lester, and the Blue Lions, who represent Fargus. During part one, Byleth and their chosen class find themselves caught in the middle of a conspiracy against the church that leading, leading Byleth to receive the Sword of the Creator which is a powerful like chain whip sword, like kind of like how Ivy has in Soul Calibur. Yeah, um, yeah. This sword was once wielded by a figure named Nemesis, um, a notorious uh, historical figure who once attempted to overthrow the goddess Seros many, many centuries prior. Byleth can wield this powerful sword as they are also revealed to hold the mysterious Crest of Flames, <laughs> A powerful bloodline connected to Nemesis. An, May I an remind emblem you, of flames. Crest is a, a synonym for emblem. A fire emblem, if you will. <laughs> Great. Good lord. So part of this whole games thing is the, the, the history of this world is there are noble, noble bloodlines that inherit these crests, and these crests wield unimaginable power. And the entire game's like the this world's like economy and, and social structure is based on these crests. Um, essentially. And uh, so the figure behind this whole conspiracy is this mysterious flame emperor, a figure clad all in armor who is working with some other shady characters that have a penchant for turning innocent townspeople into demonic monsters, as you do. As one does. Um, At one point, one of the flame emperor's allies murders Geralt, and Byleth leads a revenge mission to mow this group of shady characters down. Because where would our hero be without a... a Dead family yep. member to call them to action. Except an agent, like an agent Coulson left. Except yes. they, except intelligence systems was very clear to not make Byleth have any emotion. So even like when their father <laughs> dies, they they still are like eyes unblinking, face stoic. <laughs> I am sad now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, later, Byleth and their students are called in to defend the church basement from a group of assassins that are led by the Flame Emperor. They're trying to steal some crest stones. It doesn't matter. Um, in a dramatic reveal, we learn that the Flame Emperor was Edelgard all along. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. So this this game deal is the first to deal with a protagonist that turns to be the antagonist. Oh, cool. I cannot believe that that is the first time in this series. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe it. May I well, remind Matt, you that until this game... They didn't mess with the formula for eight games. <laughs> right. so. yeah, this is the first time Intelligent Systems didn't write a game. So, uh, Byleth, oh, uh, so, th- so then there's one last mission in part one, and this is Adel, uh, Byleth basically leading the people, the, the kids in Garrick Mog Monastery in one last stand against Edelgard and her forces attacking the church. In the midst of that attack, though... Edelgard, um, Edelgard loses. Um, Byleth disappears and wakes up five years later. Time skip. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so then we get to part two, and and this is this gives you the the out to date your students because <laughs> because they are no longer your students. They are now fully formed adults that have all have glow ups because you blipped like for five years. Mm-hmm. And you blipped for five years, so you haven't aged at all. So now you're mysteriously their same age. <laughs> that sucks. That just uh, straight up sucks. It's dude. it's very it's very almost fine. <laughs> I'm not so um, sure that it is. Part uh, so part two, like I said, is very different based on the faction that you pick. Um, if you go with the blue lions, then Byleth reunites with a nearly sociopathic Dimitri, who also now has an eye patch to show that uh, time has passed. That tracks. Yeah. Those were the vibes I was picking up off of Dimitri. Yeah. His whole thing is he's got like a lust for vengeance and uh, he's just like, he's basically like a 
shitty Bruce Wayne. Um, <laughs> Sh- <laughs> shitty Batman. <laughs> yeah. Byleth le- eventually leads Dimitri and the rest of the Fargus classmates in a campaign to reclaim Dimitri's territory from Adrestia and ultimately confront and defeat Edelgard. So it's the war between um, Fargus v. Adrestia. If you pick the gold deer, Byleth reunites with Claude and instead helps him unite the fractured houses of the Leicester Alliance. And eventually they absorb Fargus under their banner because Dimitri is no longer mm. around. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not like one timeline. There's like different yeah. timelines, basically. Yeah, yeah. So in this version, after taking down Edelgard, Byleth and Claude learn about those who slither in the dark which are a faction of cultists who have been pulling strings under the surface of Fodland for years. Those who slither in the dark summon undead versions of Nemesis and Nemesis-like team, these ancient warriors who um, all of the nobility have crests named after. And you fight basically like the noble warriors of past in the final battle. Oh. It's really cool. Um, If you pick the Black Eagles, there is actually two routes you have access to. And this is the one that I did in the first one. So the default Black Eagles route is Byleth reunites with Edelgard and the two unsuccessfully try to pull each other to their side of the conflict. Edelgard dips out and you basically lead the rest of the Black Eagles students and the people of the church to fight against Adrestia. And you like, it's kind of follows like you're kind of like a neutral path. It's you're basically like the path of the church. Hmm. Um, this is the, that's the only one I haven't done because if you reach a certain level of support with Edelgard before the end of part one, then Edelgard actually pulls Byleth and the rest of the Black Eagles in on her side on the attack at the end of part one. Oh. Which this one rules because she explains to you, hey, actually, I'm not the bad guy. Listen, why? Because Rhea is actually an ancient <laughs> dragon deity. Oh, <laughs> I, I read ahead before you said. <laughs> yep. Anci- Rhea, Archbishop Rhea is an ancient dragon deity that's been secretly ruling over Fodlin for centuries. So Aegle bl- blames the horrors of the nobility system and everything that she and her classmates have experienced on Rhea and the rest of the church and decides we got to burn it all down, baby. <laughs> and part two is metal as hell. And you just re- you just take over the world with the Adrestian Empire. And it's great. And it, Edelgard is my queen. Is this the canon story? Um, so there know? is no canon story. I think technically Blue Lions is supposed to, supposedly the canon story, but you're oh, supposed to... It is lame. You're, you're. So I think what you're supposed to do is do blue lions first, then black eagles, then golden deer, because golden deer reviews reveals the most about the world. Okay. Um, but uh, golden deer is like that fight with Nemesis is like the true ending of the game, in my opinion, uh, because Edelgard's route runs very short, um, and Dimitri's route runs pretty short as well. Okay. And so let me. The, both of those endings are unfulfilling, in my opinion. I'm gonna jump ahead. Yeah. Have you played? Three Hopes, Warriors well, Three Hopes. Oh, it's, it's not, not out yet. yet. Okay, I was gonna say. Oh, there it is. No. Switch twenty twenty two. Okay, so it actually, says it's the direct story of so sequel. So let's let's dovetail okay. into that. So real quick, there's a couple Fire Emblem spinoffs, and I'm just gonna name off very quickly. Um, so in 2015, uh, a Atlas who does Persona and took and uh, Shin Megami Tensei released Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which is t- Shin Megami Tensei, like the like the acronym of Shin Megami Tensei spelled backwards. Um, oh. It's it's a mashup of Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem characters where pop singers in modern day Tokyo summon Fire Emblem characters like Persona. Weird. Okay. 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 Um, 
There is a, a mobile game named Fire Emblem Heroes that came out in 2017. Um, it's a gotchapon game, which if you don't know what a gotchapon game is, it's you, you Kyle's mm-hmm. feverishly shaking his head uh, <laughs> or nodding his head. I played a lot of Fire Emblem do you, Heroes. Do you want to explain? Do you want to explain what Fire Emblem Heroes, Kyle? It's it's a um, a turn. I mean, it's it's watered down. It's very like you get one of 10, 15 missions that like you can you get randomly dropped into. Um, you you earn um, in game currency that you spend on booster packs that you can open new heroes to put into your shuffle into your party it's very predatory it's very it's mm-hmm. pitched as free to play but you if you don't you spend put a lot money, of money into on it, it you're not going to get any yeah. of the good characters it, it preys and, on like people love these characters yep yeah. um well and, well and they did a lot of like like the summer the five star summer outfit is now available so you can pay yeah. 50 bucks and you'll yeah. be guaranteed to get your favorite character super powerful in a skimpy outfit and mm-hmm. like it did, it did a lot of that. Um, it's Nintendo's most successful mobile game it's ever. Nintendo's <laughs> most successful mobile game ever. Mm-hmm. I played it without spending, and I I did manage to like if I spent money, it was less than twenty bucks. But I played it for about a year when it came out until all the mm-hmm. until the first uh, scantily clad summer release came out. I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, and then, like I mentioned, Koei Tecmo released Fire Emblem Warriors also in 2017, which is it's a Musou game, which is like Dynasty Warriors, where you basically you have a character and you you hack and slash a bunch of enemies on the screen at the same time, and you're killing like 100 enemies at a time. Um, Hyrule Warriors is another one like this for Zelda. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Kyle mentioned the next Fire Emblem game to come out this year is Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, which is a direct sequel or kind of a sequel to Three Houses, um, much like Age of Calamity is a sequel to Hyrule Warriors. Okay, so one last thing we're going to do and then we're going to close out here is there are a ton of Fire Emblem characters. There are almost 600 in total. Um, We are, I wanted to talk just really quick. One of the things about Fire Emblem is just like the characters themselves and the fact that, yes, this is a very horny game. Um, So (laughs) the idea of like waifus and husbandos is definitely a thing with this game. People love these games because you can just like marry each, you can ship all these characters together. Um, Three Houses introduced some gay characters, not a lot, but some. Um, A lot of the fans are, you know, hoping for more. So I just wanted to talk about some of the most popular males, non, non-hero, non-protagonist males, and some of the most popular non-protagonist females. Um, so we're just, this is a quick round robin. So in the image uh, thing here, these last 10 images, um, we see images 25 through 29. We've got Felix from Three Houses, who is kind of like um, your... Uh, <clears throat> your edgelord sword boy he's your sasuke mm. <laughs> um and then we've got sylvain from three houses who's your surly fuck boy yep uh, yeah. that, that's what that picture is um, showing these are the archetypes next, yes yep uh brady uh is the next one brady is from fire emblem awakening he is one of the child characters he's really interesting he's kind of like a punky like he's got like a scar and he's got he's got like a punky punkster attitude but he's like a healer and he's like very much breaking the mold of the traditional cleric who's like oh, pious and good and stuff. Okay. But he's like, he's like, he's very brash and he's like, he was like kicked out of a church in his timeline. He's, um, but he's uh, a really good healer. I, he's I, I, Dr. Like House. A lot. He's Dr. Yeah, House. Kinda, he's kind of like Dr. House. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next one is Lion from Sacred Stones. He's actually the antagonist in Sacred Stones. He's popular. I mean, again, he's very like, he's very, he's a very pretty man. Uh, but his whole thing is like, 
he's very frail. He's a frail mage, and he doesn't. He was like put as the emperor of this civilization, but he um, didn't think he was powerful enough. He thought he was too weak, and he succumbed to the temptation to use one of his sacred stone to try to resurrect his father, who he felt was a great leader. Um, so he's kind of like a fall from grace character. And then uh, this final one, we've got Takumi, who is from, or Takomi, T- Takami? Takumi, from Takumi. Uh, Fire, Emblem, Fire Emblem Fates, who he is the one who, he's kind of like, um, when you meet him as Corin at first he's like, no, fuck you, you're like, I don't, I don't want to deal with you, you're like Norian scum. And uh, he, if you side with Nor, he's the one that gets bloodlust and like basically like comes for you and your whole family. Oh, wow. um, oh. But people love him because he's like the ice queen of fates where like if you side with Hoshido, he like breaks down and actually he's like a softy at heart. So oh, OK. OK. Um, all right. Let's talk about the women images <laughs> from th- images 30 to 34. We have image 30. We have Bernadetta from Three Houses. Um, she is the notice me senpai archer. Oh. <laughs> um, but one thing that one fun thing that Fire Emblem does about notice me senpai characters is they all have ridiculous crit rates. Yeah. Um, so Bernadetta at the end of the game has such a body count on her hands. <laughs> <laughs> she is an absolute murderer. Um, image thirty one is Camilla from Fire Emblem Fates. Subtle. Subtle. She's... We needed a boob ghost. We didn't have a boob ghost yet. <laughs> yep. Need I say more? Uh, Dorothea from Three Houses is the next one. Image 32. She's also got boobs and a hat. <laughs> this one has a hat. This one has a hat. Um, oh, I actually, games. I mean, I like Dorothea as a character. She is very interesting. She's like a commoner. She's an opera singer. Um, yeah. So her whole thing is like she's she's like she's part of the Black Eagles Eagles gang. She's like, yeah, let's burn down the world. This this shit sucks. Um, so, she, <laughs> but she's also like a very like powerful mage. Um, then we speaking of powerful mages, we've got Tharja from Fire Emblem Awakening, who is our goth necromancer. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the last one here is Anna, and Anna is kind of like the nurse joy of Fire Emblem. Um, she appears in the very first Fire Emblem as a like a like a uh, just a, a normal civilian, and later shows up as a shop owner of a secret shop that you can find. Oh yeah! Cool. And okay. Anna comes Anna comes back in very much like a Nurse Joy faction. She she just exists in like she's, she's a like Nexus tingle. being. She's, she's like, like Tingle. tingle. She she's the Fire Emblem's nexus being. She just exists in every mm-hmm. universe. Cool. She's as the JFK the assassination owner. of Fire Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so, but people love her because she's very iconic. Because she shows up in every almost every Fire Emblem game. That's it. That's all I've got. Um, you guys did great sticking along as long as you did. Uh, let's do last minute thoughts, comments, feelings. I like it. Um, I mean, if, if they were to put out another one that maybe doesn't have the dating sim undertones that I think three houses might have had than I would be in. I wouldn't like, count on it, Todd. <laughs> I wouldn't that's why I, waited house, my, I said my, I said what I said, Kyle, three houses sold very well. Like most Nintendo games released to the Famicom. I really think that the gameplay is something that I could get into, but in the 20 to 30 years since it was released, it's, picked up a lot of pieces to keep it relevant that I'm not so into. Um, But I will say, I mean, like, the story is fine enough to follow. It's not like... Well, okay, let me take that back. It's got a formula, and it's fine to follow the formula, and that's fine. 
oh my mm-hmm. god, I've never been as lost in noun soup as I am right yeah. now. Yeah, like <laughs> names yeah. became meaningless to me seven games ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, well, that's why. Like, like we got to the games I started playing, and I could tell the the main characters, and then beyond that. I need a pic, like a picture part, will will evoke yeah, something from I mean, me, but the part names of are that, gone. Part of that is intentional. These characters are meant to be, they're going to die. So a yeah. lot of these characters are very one dimensional, right? Like if you have an archer, they probably don't love people. If you have a knight, <laughs> they probably are very loyal, right? Yeah. Like yeah. there's true. not, I mean, they have almost 600 characters. Like you got to have some repeats and some duds there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just like, this is insane. They don't name all the red shirts in Star Trek. They just kill them all. <laughs> that's, and that's what this is. Yeah. For some reason, they named them all, and that's a lot. So, yeah, I grid-based RTS games, cool. Horny anime battle school, not my thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna... Kyle, horny anime battle school, my thing. I'm, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play Awakening or or uh, Three yeah. Houses tonight so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i've already got fates fire gonna, so. gonna start a new save file on one of those two so here we go yeah. i'll i'll end this just by saying if you're listening out there and you're interested maybe you've never gotten in fire emblem before and you're interested you're thinking like where do i start um if you have access to a 3ds i would say start with awakening that is yeah. a really good entry point um it is more fire it is it is a good mashup it's, of classic and modern fire it's emblem. the most fire emblem with the best quality yes. of life updates um because yes. you've got casual mode well said um in addition to easy yep. hard and ludicrous mode if if you don't have access to a 3ds and you're just on switch honestly your options are pretty limited um unfortunately like there's not a lot of stuff on the virtual console there's nothing on the virtual console. There's not been any remakes on Switch outside of... So really, your only option is Three Houses on Switch, um, which is it's a good game. Again, don't get me wrong. I've put 120 hours in Three Houses. I think it's an excellent game, but it is for a very particular type of person is the thing. If you can get a, a GBA emulator working, the two, yep. um, like uh, Fire Emblem and Sacred Stones, both are decent are good mm-hmm. entries and like um with where games have progressed aren't terribly hard in in modern strategy yeah. games um if you can get a rom yeah. hack working matt um one of those two would would be you would like one of those two mm-hmm. and has a lot less of the dating sim stuff yeah. cool. it's yeah. just the it's just the supports in that yeah which are I and mean, those are just like friends like yes yeah. there's a few like marriages but that's yeah. it's minor so yeah um the other thing is go watch uh if you're interested in the character stuff go watch uh brian david gilbert's um unraveled on fire emblem it's it's like so good it's the the big joke is he categorizes all of the 600 characters into archetypes and there are 12 (laughs) yeah so it's pretty funny yep cool um well thank you so much everybody uh really appreciate it Thank you for listening to Debate This. Of course, you can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube um, at Debate This Cast or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. Once more, if you want to commission your own episode of Flavor Text, like maybe you want us to talk about anime anime husbands from another series, eh? (laughs) Um, check out our Patreon at Patreon.com slash DebateThisCast. Joining up at the $25 level will give you access to the post-show, the Google Doc Notes and our monthly movie nights. 
And then, of course, after three months, you'll unlock your first Slaver Text episode. I mentioned YouTube. At the time of this recording, we have uploaded seasons one through four of Debate This to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can find us by searching Debate This Cast on YouTube. Uh, if you are the kind of person who enjoys podcasts on YouTube, please search for us, find us, subscribe to the channel. Um, and if we get over 100 subscribers, we can actually have the URL, youtube.com slash debate this cast. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Andrew Henderson. I'm Kyle. Get your horny out of my tactical turn-based RPGs, Harper. I'm Todd. If this game was set in a Baltimore drug situation starring Dominic West, it would be the wire emblem, Thomas. And I'm Matt, not Gaiden teen movie, Cole. (laughs) 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 And and we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the horniest swing sets, nerds. Please don't do that. I don't want those horny Don't Don't fight us behind the horny swing sets. Just the normal ones Tell me which ones those are so I can avoid them.